Hello friends and happy December. It is already December, but we're going to talk about November because why not? <laughs> we're going to talk about what we read and what we watched. And while we're doing this, uh, Chris and I, we're talking about this beer that I'm drinking. It's called C- <laughs> Cinnamon Bun Ale by Boulevard Brewing. And it tastes like a cinnamon bun. <laughs> so it appeals to like, it's all the bad things that like should not appeal to me, but I could not not get it. I had to try. It tastes like a like a liquid cinnamon bun with alcohol. It's like, so was is this a way of getting around things for you, Steve? Because you're on a notorious not sugar vibe a lot of the time. So was this like a kind of? Well, I mean, this could be a replacement. You know, I've been bad because I started writing a lot, and I started writing like I don't know, hundred like a few hundred miles a month. I was doing like mm-hmm. five or four hundred miles a month. And I thought. I can have a beer now and then. And a beer now and then became like a beer, like two or three times a week. And then it was like, if I'm having beer, I can have some nachos or I can have like some carbs. And it's like, if I'm having, if I'm riding like, if I'm climbing like 2000 feet, I can have a donut. And then it's like, it's, it just like gets out of control. You know, it starts off with like once in a while. And then it's like, okay, now it's okay. Like, now I'm drinking cinnamon, cinnamon bun ale. It's like, I, we're off the rails. There's no happy medium with that, Steve. You're either doing it or you're not doing it. You know, it's that's just one of those things. There's, I don't, I don't know. I tried to do the whole, put my toe in the water a bit of eating the way I used to, and and then as soon as that started, everything goes to shit. It's just no. I was really good for a few years there about eating really good, and then it just like. Uh, one, you know, one, one beer won't hurt just once a week, just on Friday nights. And then it became, you know, gets out of control. Yeah. So anyway, Chris, tell us about yourself. Oh, geez, me. <laughs> uh, sometimes YouTuber, sometimes appear on other people's channels, just like so. And I will say this was a very much a late, late addition to come on here. I found myself on loose end. I thought this is, this is a nice way to round off my spoiler Saturday night for me uh, when we're recording. I thought the pop on seem like good old friend Steve. I haven't been chatting for a while. So. <laughs> Glad you can make it. Yeah. I thought it was just going to be me, so I was kind of preparing like no one's going to show up. So I'll just talk <laughs> to myself. It's always good to have someone to talk to. So cool. glad you can make it. So uh, yeah, we'll talk about what what we what we've been reading and watching, and then some maybe some personal um, goals or things we've accomplished yeah. this month that we're proud of. So we'll get into all that stuff. Uh, so Chris, what did you read this month? I mean. That's what we were just talking about before. And I've been on a very poor reading schedule for about two, just over two months. And I've pretty much only done what I'd committed to read with other people. And kind of was happy enough for that just to keep me ticking along. Uh, but I have to say, I've sort of got over the past, I was sick for a bit, about mm-hmm. a week or so. And once I got better from that, my whole mood and everything's lifted. And it just seems to have reinvigorated me, just that whole thing. So... I did start reading earlier on, uh, unassisted, even though the committed read, it is a committed read, but it isn't until the very end of the month. I started reading uh, Alfred Bester's The Stars My Destination, uh, part of the SF Masterworks, uh, and I got through a prologue and the first couple of chapters of it, and I actually, after we finish the air, I'll probably do another couple of chapters, which I have to say mm. is, um, I'm very excited about just that, do you know that feeling when you feel like you're over a slump? of something and yeah. you, you feel like you're doing like it could be reading it could be exercise it could be absolutely anything but that idea where you're just like no I, I feel like whatever it was that i didn't want to do is kind of 
Amino and I'm mm-hmm. kind of jonesed by that whole idea. So, yeah, that that's that's exciting. So the the, the Star's My Destination is like a classic sci-fi old style book, and so far as like you for me anyway, you read the first couple of pages and you go, oh, shit, how could this guy have predicted like sixty years in the future so well? Like that's what most of these are. It's like holy shit. <gasps> And the ideas at the start are very much as soon as a new technology comes comes along, the whole world goes to shit. So far as you know, <laughs> as it's, it it's, a, it's a good improvement for society and a good improvement going forward. But actually, everything's went to shit now. So, <laughs> and I was like, "That's so accurate." Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, right, a good example for us is like mobile phones, right? Like they they are mm. a, a phenomenally like life changing and experience changing thing. But they have brought with them like this whole thing of, oh, kids don't go outside anymore. And they don't know what life is and all of this kind of doom and gloom that goes with it. And yeah, sure, some of that's true. But also, like, it just technology changes experiences. Sure, mm. yeah, definitely does. And Jared, glad you can make it. Oh, what were you saying? I was just looking at my phone. <laughs> 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 uh, <Me too. laughs> I uh, yeah, I can only stay for about fifteen minutes, but uh, oh, okay. I figured I'd pop on for a minute. <laughs> no, oh, you, you know what it. happens now, Jared? People only stay until you're here, and then they're gonna go. They say, "Oh, God, that, that's all the good parts of that." Done. Thanks, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're still here around eight or so, I'll come back. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, tell us before you go. Tell us, tell us what you've been reading this month. Ah, well, I, I had a good month. I, I finished off a lot of stuff this month. Uh, so it was pretty cool. I, uh, you know, it was, of course, it was stuff that fell over from month to month. But, um, you know, we finished off Fugitive Prince. That was awesome. And uh, I had to talk with Janie with that. And, uh, um, and I finished off uh, Toll the Hounds, the, uh, mm. the Malazan huge book, which, which I've been reading for two months. So that was... Um, one of my goals to get through that, uh, so that was awesome, and uh, you know we did we did do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep, mm-hmm. which was great, um, which was very interesting. I got a lot of strange, uh, I would say, uh, trolls on my channel. <laughs> a couple of strange trolls really? on my channel from from that particular book, my review and. And our discussion, and I was just like, "Oh boy!" And uh, hmm. it, I don't know if they were trolls or just disgruntled, <laughs> disgruntled people. You know, uh, aren't all trolls disgruntled? People, yeah, though? that is true. But are all disgruntled people trolls? I'm not sure. Mm. Um, Depends how much time they have in their hands. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Nothing better to it's, do with their lives. It's but. an interesting thing because, like, even in our discussion, not everybody loved it. For sure, Jared. Like, I think mm-hmm. me and you yeah. were the most effusive, I think, about how much we liked it out of everybody. But it did seem to elicit a lot of very strong opinions. It it does. It does. And I, I have a feeling that uh, a lot of those old sci-fi books are like that. They, they have uh, yeah. strong opinions about them. And um, it, they're definitely not for the, the, the modern reader. Uh, as far as everything is so focused on character nowadays. And um, and character development, and uh, you don't get that a lot in those old books. They're they're written for a different time and a different audience, and um, they're different. Uh, 
it was a style at the time that was prevalent, and especially in sci-fi, you know. Uh, you know. I think in some ways some of the comments that, that you had were, were to that point insofar as I think maybe in somebody else's channel it was very much to to that point of the fact that they weren't writing character-based stories and they weren't doing anything like that. Like, that. like if you can go back to Forever War, which we read, I mean, yeah. you have the main character the whole way through that we know nothing about pretty yeah. much by the end of it. You know, that's the, the William Mandela is just like a kind of shell of a human being for a lot of, a lot of it. But yet, the ideas that are in that book kind of can connect with you and all the other things. I love the yeah. stuff about it. Um, yeah. quite, quite a lot, you know. Yeah, uh, so I, I'm, I'm very interested. I, I uh, picked up a library copy of um, our next one, Near the Stars, My Destination. Oh, there you go. Look at that. Alfred Bester, yeah. You already started? started? Yes, started it earlier on. Oh, okay. that's, that's actually what I was sort of talking about when you came in. So oh, okay. Far. Like I've only right. three chapters done at the start, so. Nice, nice. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to getting to that, you know, because this is all new territory for me, really, this this sci-fi stuff. And, um, you know, I've read Dune, of course, you know, that's more fantasy, really, than sci-fi, in my opinion. Uh, And I've read, um, I read Donaldson's sci-fi series, but that's space opera, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And he had some technical stuff in there, but it was, it was, it was a, it was a story first, and it was characters developing, and and uh, uh, and um, so it was. Uh, so this kind of sci-fi is, is is new to me, and it's ex- I like it because it's ex- it's given me, you know, it's expanding my mind, and and I always I'm always hmm. up for that. Um, yeah, and I read um, I finished Sea of Poppies, uh, Amitav Ghosh, hmm. and that was historical fiction. Which was also kind of new to me. Um, I usually read history books, not f- history fiction. Uh, so that was um, that was interesting. Uh, the the uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The colloquialisms <laughs> and uh, the um, the the language was so strange in that book. Uh, that it it threw me for a loop, and I I got a kick out of that because I'm I'm always one for getting that n- new kind of input like that, and uh, it was uh, it was a trip. It really was very well written. The guy the guy can write, um, no doubt mm-hmm. about that. But uh, it took a while to really wrap my head around it and get into it. And uh, once I did, I was like, okay, I this. I can see why this book is so well liked in the areas it was, and it won awards and stuff, you know. And uh, so I'm gonna—I'll be doing a review on that at some point. It, it's gonna take me a while to write one up for that one because that was pretty, pretty involved. Um, I'm part of a series, Jared, as well. It is, it? yeah, it is. And I mean, I—I I could stop here. Um, it's kind of a standalone. But I can definitely mm-hmm. see where it veers off into into more territory uh, as part of a series. Yeah, this book one. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. so that was that was cool, and I uh, and I finished off uh, P. L. Stewart's uh, mm-hmm. The Last of the Atlanteans. That was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, There's a scene towards the end that's pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, 
which one is that? That's uh, I won't. I don't. I'm afraid to say too much. But yeah, there's a, a battle scene on a certain on a certain surface. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh that must've been fun for him to write. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's uh yeah, he, uh, he, he's got some great ideas for that book, that series. And uh, the, the point of view is just, is just wacky just because you don't really like the character that much. And uh, he's not a nice, he's not a, Good. Per- he's a good person, but he's not a good person. It, it's it's. Uh, it, 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 but he's an interesting character to read, and I very think that's one of the things that you that, that you come to, like whether it's TVs, movies, books, or otherwise, you don't always need to root for a character. You just need to want to read the next page of of the character story. Right. Like that's the yeah. That's that's the idea. He keeps the pages turning, no doubt about it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So that was fun. That was, that was all the stuff I finished off, and then I. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I've, I've just finished watching your video, Jared. So I can—I have actually a pretty good recollection of what. you Oh, okay. Said. So you, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I, <laughs> I did that this morning. Yeah, and then of course Night Fever with you guys—that was awesome. Uh, and then uh, that was a lot of fun to talk about that. Um, and uh, but I started the next my next Malazan book, The Orb Set the Throne, by Esselmont, and uh, I started. Uh, Vaughn Roycroft's uh, Bold Ascension, hmm. uh, which you should probably get him on uh, on here sometime. He's a ni- really nice guy. What's his name again? Sorry, Vaughn Roycroft. He um, he wrote uh, The Severing Sun, and his new one is Bold Ascension. Uh, a self-published author, uh, and uh, so he's a uh, and a really nice guy too. Uh, so I, uh, I'm enjoying that. It's a lot of fun. That's another, another cool, cool, uh, interesting situation characters in, in the world he made up. And, uh, it's, uh, it's very historical based, right. even though it's on another world. So it's not our world, but it's very goth, uh, attack, uh, goths interacting with Romans basically, but it's, he has different names for him. You know? <laughs> hmm. Yeah. It's really cool. I like it, and uh, yeah. So that's a that's a quick wrap up of everything. I'm <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. But it's it, 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 yeah. It's uh it's cool though because if it, it I, I feel like I'm free to delve into more stuff because I wrapped up a lot of stuff <laughs> that I was working on for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. It sounds like an over the hump month a little bit. Because you kind of said the same thing. Yeah, that seems to be like a change. Maybe it's the change of the season or something like that kind of gives you that. Although, very much in Jared's case, it's very much of a culmination of about three or four months of working on similar, similar books a bit of. Sure. And yeah. then kind of finishing those all off at roughly the same time, which is yeah, yeah. really nice and satisfying. Yeah. Kind of a conversions. <laughs> yeah. But Night Fever yeah. was, was, was a really good read, I have to say. like Because it's so short and so enjoyable and sort of meaty enough like yeah uh, you know after we talked about that i was remembering uh steve i was remembering what you said about is it all a dream Uh oh (laughs) (laughs) and uh but it i don't know that was coming back to haunt me like well maybe it was kind of a because 
the the name of the book is Night Fever, and you have fever dreams, right? So, mm-hmm. did he just dream it all up and make it a reality? Maybe he just saw the headlines and was like, "Oh, I'm gonna." I don't know. I there was there was something to that. I <laughs> not to get too spoilery for those of you who haven't seen Total Recall, which is like a thirty year old movie, but. There's a scene in Total Recall when they're, um, the doctor comes in and is trying to talk to, um, trying to talk to him and say, "Do you really believe you're a secret agent yeah, that's yeah, killing people yeah. and that you're accomplishing all these amazing things, but you're really just like a, a lonely, depressed, like, jackhammer worker, a construction worker? Like, do you really believe that? Like, they kind of like. So in this case, to be like, do you really believe you're in this weird underground society and you're battling secret agents and I don't want to give too much away, but so yeah, I just kept thinking about that. Like really, <laughs> you're really capable of this, but you know, that's what's fun it's about bit, it. Yeah. Like we talked about insofar as that it's very much a male escapist fantasy kind of story. You know, it's very much, you know, down your bed. What could happen if I did this instead of this thing, this normal thing, what if I did this risky thing and actually following through with that, which I think, I think it's an interesting premise, especially with how it kind of resolves and kind of goes through and mm-hmm. comes at the first. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, what, what's on? What's next on the docket for comics, graphic novels? Uh, the, the fade out, right? The fade out. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't wait for that. That's that's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I actually I ordered I the uh, the omnibus for the omnibus of that one. Uh, yeah. it's, kind of, it's only three volumes, so may as well have it in the bind up rather than. Uh, three separates or otherwise but yeah it should be here in a mm. day or two nice yes we have to st- we have to start swamp thing soon no yeah problem. that'd be cool yeah that'd be really cool and the sandman <laughs> sandman's <laughs> always great yeah 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 that's, yeah, that's just more and more like uh, i don't know uh, budget's the only thing really holding you back from a lot of that stuff like that's yeah. that's a much more expensive well, rabbit hole than books it's graphic novels. Mm. It is. Yeah, I think it's, comics. it's interesting because I think in something like Night Fever, it's so packed full of story and characters and there's so much in it, but it's thin. So you see a 600-page book and you're like, I don't mind paying $15 for this or whatever it is. And then you see, okay, I'm going to buy this graphic novel and you're done with it in an hour. But it's as much story as a full-length novel, so it's. I don't know if it's a visual thing that we we feel like there's more. You have more for your money than a novel that takes you twelve hours to read, or is it? I don't know what it is, but it's. It's not lack of story. So is it just the visualization of seeing it on the shelf? Like. That's where it went. Mm-hmm. You'd be. I think you'd be surprised at how much our minds fill in with those pictures. Um, the uh, mm-hmm. the the art of telling a story with comic book uh, in the, in that medium is a um, is partly a psychological art because it really mm. it your mind does a lot of stuff with that and uh, a lot more than you think it does when you're reading it it really does it fills in a lot of stuff they're not lying when they said a picture's worth a thousand words it's yeah, yeah. 
it's really there. <laughs> I always get the feeling after going through, say, Night Fever, for instance, you get a really rich story. You know, sometimes you can kind of read a similar kind of thing just with words, and your mind is doing a lot of work there. And, you know, some people will do that better than others. Whereas I think when you're doing a graphic novel, it's much more easy to talk about all of the aspects of the story that, that are working together. And we can come together and kind of sort of have a more similar experience, if that makes sense. Whereas if we're reading a book, say just words, we all might have interpreted that slightly differently or might have seen it slightly differently. And, you mm. know, so there's maybe more discussion about kind of what way I perceived it rather than a graphic novel. Possibly. Yeah. That's a good point. Very, very cool. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so. so bummed you can only make it for a few minutes, but glad you can make it. <laughs> glad yeah. you can make it. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I got uh, got a roast in the oven. Got to take it out. Got to do stuff. So all I'm kinds of stuff there. going on. But uh, sounds, sounds good, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it does sound good. So, Chris, what was what else did you read this month? So, what else did I read? Well, I read Fugitive Prince since uh, Jared never got talking about it, and I didn't even make our discussion on it. As you can probably hear him still a bit bunged up, or otherwise. I haven't got to the end of the discussion yet, but I think I have a slightly different take on the book than everybody else. Um, hmm. Which is that I think it's just incredibly bleak. That <laughs> is my number one thing about it. Is it is very, very bleak. It is. In some ways, the most grim darky of grim dark novels that that I think I've I've read in the past year, in that there's really there's there's very little hope at the moment. You know, I think as a, across the board, there's just a lot of terrible stuff that seems to be happening at the moment. And I think I think Johnny had said to us kind of when we finished reading the Grant, be patient with it. And I thought she meant that this book was going to start off slow, and it obviously doesn't. Right, like Future of Prince is kind of bang 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 the whole way through. But I think she was talking about the fact that you've got to be patient with the story because it is bleak at the stage. Like the end of yeah. is. See, we needed you there, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Well, that, that, that was my fault, my sickness and my sleeper otherwise. But, but the, I, I think it makes for an interesting jumping off point for the next book because hmm. I think we've got to get some sort of movement and resolution to some of this kind of uh, what this pressure. Everybody's under pressure in the book. Like there's nobody kind of running about going, God, I'm having a great Tuesday. Tuesdays are awesome for me. That's not, not what's happened. Everybody's feeling the weight of pressure and responsibility. And uh, that book just continues to abound with complex storytelling, complex characters, complex oh, yeah. interplay. And like, I think we, we often we often say about when we, because we only do three chapters at a time. And sometimes when you're going through those three chapters and you're reading them, you're going, God, it'll be a short, it'll be a short stream we'll do at the end of it. An hour and a half for three chapters is kind of about the norm. And it's like, my god there's just so much happens and so much that this could mean so much an awful lot of the time and it's a, it's a maybe it's because of the way we're reading it for sure that makes it that way but it creates so much more dramatic storytelling than i can think of many other series like that just don't achieve that in the same way and there's that kind of that kind of master storyteller element sort of comes out to me all the time of like you just don't get this from other books <laughs> mm-hmm yeah, uh, Jared. I was I was telling Chris about our discussion Friday with AP and Jenny. Yeah, and that they hate they didn't. I wouldn't say they. I think I would say they argued, but they. I liked how they went back and forth with different perspectives. Of course, they have a lot of 
admiration with uh, towards each other. They really respect each other. But it was good to see them kind of um, give their perspectives on writing and prose. And when you hear Jenny talk about writing or really anything, it inspires you. You want to feel like you can climb Mount Everest listening to Jenny. But um, hearing her talk about writing specifically kind of gives you an insight on what to expect if you haven't read the books yet, kind of how rich and, um, you know, the, this the... I, I hate saying dense because it sounds negative, but it, it's um, kind of her approach to writing and present and telling a story. I think it's it's really um, really it's really unique and it's you don't find it a whole lot no, just because right. she's she's another level. I mean, she's on another level. Yeah, no, it's rich, it's complex, it's uh, it's full. You know, like it's just it has so much impact with every uh every word every sentence just means so much and uh like you could spend a day just reading one page of that and just thinking about everything that went into it i mean we don't have that kind of time but you can do that with her writing it's so it's so look it's like luxurious almost (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) that creates its own kind of it's some kind of issues for reading, I think, it as well, because sometimes I just feel like uh, I just want to get through the story, and then other times I'm like, no, I just want to swim in it. You know, I think depending on my mood, uh, that that can feel like it. And I think I think this is the bit that that I think is lost sometimes is you can do it both ways. Mm-hmm. Like I, could, mm-hmm. I uh, especially for us, because we're going to come together and. and converse about it or otherwise but yeah. sometimes yeah. I will read I'll read a section and get what I need out of it you know and then other times I'll be really pulling over it in a lot of depth and kind of yeah. end of the day that, that might be different but the, yeah you can do that with her writing too yeah because yeah. it it doesn't lack for action there's stuff going on <laughs> you know and uh, so if you um, you don't like, like I said you, you can spend that much time on it but you don't have to yeah. you can just read through and uh, and enjoy the enjoy the ride for what it is <laughs> yeah it's funny Jared yesterday when you you talked we talked about um, kind of what readers can do how readers can uh, kind of appreciate the prose more and you had mentioned how you read it and then you go back and you read it again and you try to see you try to piece it together like what have we read before how does this tie into it and I, I, don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful uh, but some books, they're, I don't want to say, uh, <laughs> some, some books just don't have that kind of depth to them. Some books are just uh, no, beach reads, right. like we talked about, you know, like, yeah. so, but stuff like Jenny or Erickson or Baker or those other books out there I'm not thinking of right now, but those other books, but you can really dig into that. And like Chris said, really swim in it. And, and every word, it's almost like, I kind of think of it like it's a long poem because, your every word has meaning and every word is heavy and has, it's there for a purpose. It's not just filler. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's, um, you know, the, the writing styles, uh, over the years, they, they, uh, they go in and out of favor and ebb and wane and what have you. Um, you know, and, and if like, cause you know, they, they, they teach Shakespeare for a reason because he has that level of, involvement with the word with his language and with his word choice and all that stuff and um of course there's always a backlash to teaching shakespeare you know we should be teaching more 
you know, modernist approach or something like that, you know, and it, yeah. it, and that, you know, that keeps going back and forth over the years. And so, and there's nothing wrong with liking his simpler style of writing and, mm -hmm. and enjoying it for what it is. And there are some writers who can like Hemingway, who can write a very simple sentence that still means a lot. And yeah. so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it all depends on, uh, on, uh, what you get out of it as a reader, I guess, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's it's that idea of a toolkit. I mean, it's one of the, the totally changing topics. But if you think about music and modern pop music, I mean, I often talk yeah. about this with my kids. Music uh, similar, yeah. Music's very similar. And so far as like in modern pop music, you never, almost nobody ever uses dynamics in terms of loud and soft. Hardly anybody mm -hmm. uses change the tempo mm -hmm. the way through it. Like all of these like massive tool sets that people don't generally use to create. M modern music or, or any type of music so to speak they kind of limit themselves to like a subset of stuff and can be very successful in doing that and create something really great from yep. the end of it but there are other levels that you can step through and go go use and go do in much the same way and when th things do all of those things that's what sort of separates the the, the art class sometimes when people say this is a, a song that is at a whole other level what they're usually talking about is that they've used more of the tune set in a lot of ways mm -hmm. yeah the tool set that's exactly right uh in my yeah. in my case if in my blog it's the elements of form that's the tool set mm -hmm. and so that is what writers are using they're using that tool set and they're they're uh, you know and how they use that tool set towards their prose determines how it comes out and uh so it's uh yeah that's uh, that's really cool yeah music is a good comparison because that has the same features yeah, it, yeah, it has the same ebb and flows <laughs> as far as, yeah, as far as what's taught and what's you know how yeah, how things indeed. changes yeah. and stuff. You know. So yeah, Future Prince was a, was a lot of like action packed from start to finish. There's no doubt about mm. that. Like some of the things that happened in that book, I think for all of us, dropped the jaw. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, <laughs> extremely shocking uh, in ways that I probably wasn't prepared for, but. My grand conspiracy copy arrived this morning, and uh, I'm eager to start into that. Then, yeah, I'm uh, I'm anxious. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> You're always ahead. Yeah. Like, oh, I already read him. Like, oh, uh, two weeks early. I haven't started Grantsbury yet, but uh, it's sitting right there, it, and it's calling to me. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, it's got to the stage now. Like, I'm just buying them as I finish one book to just kind of get on to the next. So, they, we're now five books deep. They are starting to look really nice on the shelf together and stuff. You know, they are they are uh, forming a nice uh, body of uh, of space on my, on my shelf, so to speak. In terms of this is a book, this is a series of books that will probably stay on my shelves for the rest of time because of kind of the impact that that, that they're having on my, on my reading. Yeah, nah, this is a it's definitely a keeper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, guys. I hope something's not burning. I gotta go. <laughs> okay. Enjoy the roast. Enjoy your dinner. If you're still around in about an hour, then I'll be around. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Take Enjoy up. your dinner. All right. Thank you, guys. So, because you mentioned um, reading this, the masterwork science fiction stuff, it, mm -hmm. are you surprised with how how close they are with predicting the future on some it's things, or at least wild. ideas? It's wild. Absolutely wild. Some of the stuff. Um, some of it they don't get right like don't get me wrong they don't hit and everything one for one but like sometimes it's small things like 
types of technology that came to the fore or how technology changed society and then other things are about like bigger societal things about how you know a small change would impact society and that would mean this and yeah that's exactly what happened you know in some ways and, and nobody could have known that and it might be you know they often use the star trek scenario of well if he hadn't shown it and throw it thought of it maybe technology wouldn't have evolved in that way if that makes sense but i don't think anybody's talking about a lot of these books and having the same sort of cultural impact uh to the wider society that something like star trek did for instance with computer communicators and all that kind of stuff the way that mm. kind of took form um but I th for me that's that's where I really love like I, I rarely make notes of books but I make notes of these books about these small stuff like that um, you know and actually what that means like I'll give you an example and, and Forever War they talk about the fact that they have abandoned children right nobody can have children anymore and they grow children from tanks right hmm. and they, they explore that kind of idea in that and then you think well if you can't have children and all children are born like from a vat somewhere families don't exist right right so the family yeah. unit has disappeared what does that mean for sally like that's an absolutely enormous like that's one of the, the big things that keeps the the machine going if that if that makes sense is the fact that a parent will work harder the parent will do whatever it needs to to feed and support their child if that doesn't happen anymore like holy shit. and sometimes i just have to put down the book and go i i, I can't cope i know this is only a story but that is such a big idea that yeah. I, I I don't even think I can process it right now, you know. Do you see a difference in, in modern science fiction, not only just ideas and themes around the stories that, that you did back then? Does it Have you noticed a difference? Well, I don't know if I read enough modern science fiction, but modern science fiction that I've read isn't like this philosophical stuff, which... I have to say, like, I've seen people say they don't like classic sci-fi. I know why they don't like it, because there isn't that use of character. There isn't that necessity for a good, entertaining story in its own right. Like, I'm loving them. They're 100, 200 pages long. They're absolutely amazing to read. 200 pages of ideas, and then the book's finished, and you're shut and put it down. But if those 200 pages were kind of dense, heavy, all of those words that, that were talked about beforehand, and you didn't get any story out of it, for some people, that's not what they come to reading for. Um, when we, if I was trying to put it to something like we obviously finished the Expanse, the Expanse mm -hmm. is all characters and story. You know, it yeah. has some ideas in it, but it is prevailingly uh, an entertaining story that it wants to tell. And the philosophical stuff, it's and thematic stuff floats along there in the background, but it isn't the point of the of the books. Uh, and I think in a modern publishing world, I think you can't write this those old types of stories very much anymore mm. because they're not going to sell. The, the literary agent's going to read this and go, oh dear. If only there was something <laughs> happened. You know. Not very yeah. nice. But then, maybe I'm not maybe not, not experienced enough in modern science fiction to talk about that. And that was kind of one of the one of the points of kind of starting this kind of read-along is to say, like, if we explore a lot of this, a lot of these classics, and then use that as a springboard to more modern stuff. Can we spot the difference, or can we see the through line from one to the other, how this led to this? Because you can even do the same with fantasy, if you think about it. Like, fantasy was the same story told many, many times over from Lord of the Rings, repetitiously kind of moved forward. And then it was only many years later, and kind of recent history, that it's become this explosion of sort of this multitude of subgenres and sub-stories and... You know, all the things that we get now. 
why do you think those stories won't sell anymore? The more, more uh, entrenched in ideas and philo- uh, philosophical kind of themes. I mean, they don't sell in movies. They don't sell on TV either because there is this idea that time, I think, in modern society is precious and people want to be entertained. They don't actually hmm. necessarily want to think. I think I've talked this before. There's a filmmaker called Danny Cote did an interview and he says there are two types of experiences for entertainment that you can have. You're going to be a passive viewer or an active viewer. And a passive viewer wants to just turn up, open a book, watch a screen, and things happen at them and they don't have to think about it. And the active participant is somebody that wants to get into the heads of the characters. They want to kind of go into the subtext and all that kind of stuff that's what we're talking about. And he says one completely outweighs the other one in terms of modern society, in terms of what they come to entertainment for. Um, and, well, he was saying unapologetically without judging anything. He is targeting the active person in his mm. filmmaking in so much as he's doing low-budget stuff, all of that kind of stuff, but he's looking for people to put themselves in the heads of the characters that are on screen and think about what's happened to them so that they build the story in their heads rather than me kind of show all of it on, on screen because mm. I haven't got the budget for that. No, no, I haven't got, that is not the type of story that I want to tell, but he wants to tell stories about people and situations people identify with. And I think a lot of that's true for a lot of TV and movies, etc. And the, the world is governed by, by committee. Mm-hmm. Producers want to return in their investment. They don't want to take risks. They just kind of want to say, right, what sells? This sells. Give me some of that. I don't know where you go. I wonder how much of that has to do with the, with the modern, with the 24-hour news cycle and social mm-hmm. media. Because we're, we're inundated constantly with news and current events. And this happened, whether it's around the world or in your own city or down the block or whatever. I think there's something to to be said about escapism. And I think some people just want, they just want a break. Yeah. They want to go watch superheroes fight a giant monster, even though they know the movie will be disposable. They'll probably forget about it the, the minute they walk at the, out of the theater, but at least they'll be distracted for a while. I think, I think you need a break sometimes. You need to just think about something else for two hours and eat some popcorn and have a good time. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, I often joke, my mom wants to read the same book every single time. And she picks authors that write the same book every single time, the same twee <laughs> kind of small country village, the same characters that fall in love, the same conflicts that happen in all those books. I mean, romance being the prevailing genre of Hassel and that is, that is essentially the same book every single time, story beats or otherwise. Some would say that some films definitely fall in that three-act structure of, of you know, people want that familiarity. They want to just be able to sit down and go, Oh, right about now, something will happen. You know, we've been sitting here for about 45 minutes. Something will happen now that will propel the rest of the story. And that familiarity is is comforting in a lot of ways. It means that people don't yeah. do what they're getting. They always feel like they got value for money. They'll come back next week. They might right. come back and do, do, do the same thing. But it's also why when things do that and subvert some of that stuff at the end, that's where you get the real things that blow up in popular culture. Like you can think of any of examples about that but people's ideas of game of thrones as being a fantasy show like i worked with somebody that was like i don't like fantasy shows and has just doesn't like it just doesn't read it at all doesn't do anything like it which is fine but actually then starts to watch it and go oh but it's not really a fantasy show i mean there are 
there's stuff in it that's what I would consider to be fantasy, but it's not really that. That's kind of about politics and skullduggery mm. and, you know, screwing people over and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> I like that stuff, which I think it's, it's an interesting conversation to have with somebody who says, like, I don't like magic and dragons and stuff, but, like, lots of death, murder, and cr- double-crossing of people, that's, that, that's awesome, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think in that setting, because it's basically what's, you know, like politics and there's a lot of things that go on. I think having that that fantasy setting gives us a a, a buffer to say this isn't real and not, it's not, it doesn't hit so close to home, I guess. It, it also means that when things play out in real life, repeatedly, one of the, the things that social media does is give an echo chamber to this idea of, this person is just doing this thing just like this person did that thing five years ago or ten years ago how people are manipulating news cycles and all of that kind of stuff that nobody would have seen 10 15 years ago has now become very apparent to everybody everybody's everybody's quick to point it out and going this is the playbook and that's where an awful lot of discontent i think it's it's so on people nearly know too much or people know you know can read what's happening in society a bit more or for that sake, entertainment or otherwise, but it's it's why you know. We've t- again, we've talked about this many times. It's very hard to do endings when people have seen a yeah. lot of good endings. How do you create a good ending? Like it's almost impossible. Is it almost better to not end something? <laughs> I wonder. Think about the the major franchises that we still talk about today. Firefly. Yep. Game of Thrones. Will we ever see an ending? And there's all this talk around. What's going to happen? How is it going to end? Firefly. There's all this talk about what would have happened next. And there's still that wonder and mystery around it. But so stuff like Lost or Mm -hmm. The Sopranos or whether you liked it or not. Is it it better to leave it open? Is it better to leave it to like, I wonder what happened to Tony Soprano. I wonder how how that worked out. Then to know, well, (laughs) Sopranos was only a thing, but with Lost, if there is no final season... How many fan theories would there be about what happened and what was this, the the button and the numbers and the island and all this other stuff? So, so for all of those series that you kind of talked about, maybe Sopranos is a slightly different one, but you go to Lost yeah. or Game of Thrones or something, even Firefly, because if you take away the movies, right? If none of them, if they all had been cancelled or the creators quit before the final series, I think Game of Thrones. And Lost would have went down as unarguably the greatest TV shows of all time. You know, and the, people would have said, God, if only they had been able to get it done, this would could have done. And people projected a bit like you're saying, all of the theories. As soon as you try and finish it off, you create problems because then people are left unsatisfied. That's not the that's not the theory that I want. Or if somebody's in a room and they're trying to predict what happens at the end, and your friend says what would have been a ten times better end into the series than actually happened then you go that would have been awesome this 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 wasn't yeah this is poorly educated and and as with an awful lot of things a lot of those decisions come down to money budget time all of those things which is really where the creative process stalls and so far as you're you do things for reasons other than in in the aid of good storytelling Hmm. yeah interesting very interesting um, what do you read, Steve? Oh well, 
Uh, was there anything else? You read uh, Do Androids Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, right? Do Androids. It was my second. I actually read that twice this year. Not this year. Oh, okay. It at the very start of the year, I read it February. I think it was February or March. Um, and obviously again for the thing, it is. Haven't done the video yet. It's my favorite read of the year by uh, one wow. million percent. It's one of the most amazing books I have ever read in my entire life. And does much happen? Not very much at all. It is not like the movie at all. I love the movie. I mean, the movie's basically a similar story told in that world in some ways. Like, the choices that they made for the movie were great choices in order to make a better movie. But the book's philosophical, full of ideas. Kind of this idea of what is what is society, what is sentience, what is life, all of this kind of stuff. Stuff that sounds very big but i think it gets explored really well in the book like i just i just mm. it was one of those things i mean I, I could only read two chapters at a time the first time i read it because i was just like those two chapters close the book my head's spinning i cannot i cannot process everything that that man's saying like and, and i've only read a couple of philip K. dick books but they all do the same thing which is present these big ideas um, you can think of Man on High Castle. You have, you ever seen the TV series or anything? Or mm. know the premise of Man on High Castle? So the first two seasons, I think. Oh, so, so you're well in. So that goes past the book uh, in a lot of ways. But that idea, alternative history, uh, what would happen mm. if, you know, the Nazis won the war kind of thing and then goes along that. So the TV series is very much about the practical applications of that uh, and about living under oppression. Uh, whereas the book <laughs> is about what that would mean in terms of differences in culture. Hmm. So it, it really explores about what it would mean if American society was an American society, but was a blend of German and, and Japanese society, but still within a capitalist kind of framework. And sometimes you just go, holy smokes. That's just too much. That's just yeah. too much to think about and, and to kind of revolve. And again, a lot of people don't like Man in High Castle. It has the last two chapters, which go completely off piece as well. But again, with the aim of promoting conversation and thought on somebody's head of going yeah so what would that mean what would that mean for Sally and a bit like you're saying and as far as ending goes it doesn't really give an ending it just gives a possibility so if mm. this thing happens what does that mean and oh, just something about that that open-endedness that kind of really clicks with me as, as, as a, a more mature reader if I was a younger reader I would have hated it hated it I liked more close, close loop stories, whereas I think mm. as I get older, I'm much more akin to, I can surmise what I would like or think what happens after that and be happy with that, because all mm. endings suck. <laughs> they do, yeah. <laughs> I, w I would love to discuss The Sopranos one day. That'd be fun. Well, we, we, we'll have a conversation, Steve. I have an idea about that. Yeah. Uh, and not, not to spoil The Sopranos, but there's... There, I think this is ripe for discussion, that one. Yeah. There's certain stories, I think stories in general, and the way stories are told. I've become a very big cynic, uh, and again, from reading, watching, seeing too many stories, of thinking, why would a writer do that? So it's, it's the way that I solve most murder mysteries on TV. Which character doesn't need to exist? And why is that character in, in the story? What does every character do in the story? And nine times out of ten, 
you can find the murderer because of that because everything is a narrative choice and especially 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 in tv series where a character is money mm-hmm. in a book it's, yeah. it's easier just to write one and say oh, there's a whole little couple of red herrings or whatever but on tv terms like a csi episode especially procedurals where they're working with budgets kind of 24 episodes a series they will not pay for an extractor that they do not need and you smell out the uh if you don't find the murder because of it, you'll find the motivation because of it. You think, okay, that that's what that is, um, which I think is really quite interesting uh, as a premise. But I think that spoils an awful lot of stories then for you going forward because you're looking for narrative choices rather than kind of letting the story flow over you and taking on the ride and doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, again, that idea that as consumers of stories, we get to know too much. Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes we 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 want to know too much I and mean, just maybe just let it stand mm. on its own, you know. God, but I think that's another one of those reasons why not to be a writer. Imagine people questioning why you did something, and your, your only answer you could come up with was, "I mean, I just felt like it was the right thing to do." People will be so unsatisfied by that. I just felt yeah. like fussing around with it, which is often the the answer to people. I just felt. Nobody had died in three chapters. I thought now was the time to, for somebody to die. And I picked you. And you died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I do wonder, I mean, speaking of, I think we want to know too much. I think sometimes even I do this. I, I look for things that aren't there. Like I'll look for ideas and it's maybe just a story. Like it doesn't have to be that serious. But I don't know. I think it's kind of fun just to dive in and, and to kind of... Uh, you know, not every story can be that thought-provoking. I think sometimes it just it takes a special story to even make you go to that place. Chink in the armor, yeah, for yeah, for sure. I mean, I loved a uh, friend of both of ours, uh, John Palladino, when he was talking about why did mm-hmm. you kill such a character? He says because I was sick of writing him. He bored me to tears. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go. I had to go because I was so bored of writing him. I love that also. He he, take, he kills a lot of characters. <laughs> so, dude. Um, but yeah. So what's what do you read, then, Steve? So this week, uh, this week, this month, phew, this week, this month, I did finish Revival by Stephen King. Ah. And I have some, I have problems with Stephen King. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm surprised you 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 do back in, but yeah. I I've I've had it on my shelf for a while, and I I kept hearing that it's if if you don't like Stephen King, even if you don't like Stephen King, you'll like Revival. And it's like a different kind of story. And I thought, okay, I have the hardcover. It's, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. This is my thing with Stephen King. Okay, so the, the story, the nuts and bolts of it, I really enjoyed. He has a way of making you feel a passage of time and kind of making you feel like you're growing with the character. Like throughout their lives, you see different points in their life. And even though there's some points in their life when you wonder, okay, why do I need to know this small detail? It, it kind of sort of pays off later. Like you kind of, okay, I get why you explained why they learned how to tie their shoes on their five. Like, okay, I, I get why we spent 15 pages on how they learned how to tie their shoes. Okay. But so the nuts and bolts of it are good. Um, but I, I just felt like it should be novella because there's so much extra stuff in it that just didn't do anything for the story. It just, there's like, a third of it, you could have cut it out and thrown it away, and I would have never noticed. I wouldn't have known. 
It had no. So I, I think it's a difference, and some people like to like to bathe. They like to let it wash over them, and they like all those little details, and like to hear about all the small things that the character does or went through, or even if it doesn't matter later. I think they enjoy that kind of stuff, and that's cool. Like, no, I'm not throwing any shade at anyone. If you like that, I mean, obviously he's doing, he's doing something right. Like yeah, Stephen King. He's doing all right for himself, yeah. But there's just, at the end of it, I thought, you could have just, like, cut out, like, 100 pages I would have never known, you know. But there are some really good moments in it. There's some really touching moments. Um, the end, I liked. I liked yeah. the end, but it's, like, out of, it comes out of nowhere. Like, what? <laughs> like, where did this come from? I don't want to say too much for those of you who haven't read it yet. Don't want to spoil it. But um, overall, I'd say that I, I liked it. I just think that there's a lot of extra stuff in it. It's like overstuffed. Interesting. It would have been a novella. should have been a novella. Well, in Stephen King's case, it should have been a short story. Because yeah. well, his short stories are novellas. He, he, he writes a lot of these. He experiments with the, with the form quite often. Have you read many of his short stories? was going to be my question. I've read If It Bleeds, and okay. I have Four Past Midnight. I need to read those. Okay. Um, so you have, you have they're some just so long. Well. Yeah. Uh, like, his short story collections, like, I'm, I'm sort of making my way through Nightmares and Dreamscapes at the moment, pretty much encapsulate why I like the longer form King so much, mm. because you do get the story beats, you do get the things that happen, you do get the kind of weird and twisted part that King does write about, but without any of the flavor. There's no mm. salt in it. There's no, uh, there's no pepper. There's no, uh, there's no stirring of it. You know, it's that kind of thing. And I think, I think you actually put it very well there, Steve. I think those kind of bits where I just live inside somebody's head because he does internal monologue so well, in, in my view, are the bits that I really like about a story. It's the bits that make his books really enjoyable for me. I mean, his endings, I, he just doesn't not, not great endings. I, I talked a bit about endings, but thanks Stephen King. It's a way of writing a good end, and sometimes is to do exactly what you say, which is just mm-hmm. kind of let's go left turn, let's do something that, that nobody could have seen. And I think he does that quite a bit, um, but I do like the the, the flavor and the, the story mixing of and the kind of the things that don't mean anything, but the kind yeah. the things that that, I, that give me a sense of who that person is, mm-hmm. in much more like idiosyncratic ways. It I would say it a bit like. Um, there's a genre of movies called slow cinema, right? Hmm. And slow cinema is that similar idea, is the fact that it shows you people doing mundane things over and over and over again to the point that if that person does something slightly differently, it jumps out at you. And they're like, boom, hits you up the face. But you have to watch a lot of nothing happening on the screen before that. And that can be well, that can be very boring, for, especially for yeah. some people, depending on how it goes, if that's what you're going to do. So... Like the whole premise of a film like Jean Dieneman, which was voted the greatest film of all time by Sight and Sound in their big poll this year, is nearly four hours long and is based on that entire pre- premise of the fact that I'm going to show you this person's day to day, day after day, their interactions with people, what happens to the point that you will notice small differences. And some mm. people love that. Some think, think that's genius. And some people go, I'm not getting that four hours of my life back. That's uh, That's wild. That somebody would do that, and that, you know that's why. That's why there's so many books in the bookstore. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because yeah. there's a book for everybody, or a story for everybody. And while I might think King is an absolute genius, other people can enjoy him to a certain point and kind of 
feel like he doesn't do it for that. Those all all theories and all opinions are are completely right and relevant, you know. Yeah, what's funny is that I don't mind slow cinema. I kind of enjoy slow movies, but when I'm taking fifteen hours to read a yeah. book, and you spend four of those hours talking about things that don't matter, it's like I just think I I think he's just so good. At his craft, he's just so good that he just like shows off sometimes. Like, you know, like I just think he's so good at what he does that he just can't help himself. Yeah, just it's wants to show off. Possible. The other thing I'd say, but if you look at his movies, his movies are the nuts and bolts of it. But hmm. hardly any of his movies capture the essence of of what's good about the stories. Like they just can't do it. He doesn't translate well from page to screen at all. Hmm. In fact, they're all a car crash. That's a good King movie. Stand by me, maybe. I mean, Stand by, by me, me and the Shining would get brought up, but I mean, the Shining he, cha- he completely changed the ending of it, you know, and he changed the premise of it quite quite a lot. So, you know, those things, those both those stories were adapted for screen rather than kind of being a translation of the book in, in the screen. I would say, um, there are other ones that are sort of all right. And okay, but I don't think any of them capture the amazingness of of his writing for me as as a fan. Maybe for other people that aren't so much a fan, maybe the books and the uh, the film adaptations are, are fine. But none of them are. I'd, I'd much rather read read the book, and I even like the ending of the Shining better than the book than the film. And that, I know that's not a popular opinion, but I might be one of the ones where I think he got it right. Let's see. I haven't read the book or seen the movie, so <laughs> ah. need to do that. It's on the it's on the list. Uh, I think I think the right way is to watch the movie first. I, I do I do think oh. uh, you would appreciate the book more from watching the movie and actually see the difference of of how how things go there. Hmm. Interesting. That so, was that was delicious. Absolutely delicious. <laughs> Did you have gravy? <laughs> Uh, no, I Great. I actually had a filet mignon roast. Dear wow, oh, it was it was uh, so I'm good, and I got it for I got it for so cheap. Oh, it was so good. Wow, <laughs> I wish everyone could see the look on your face right now because you look so satisfied. Oh, <laughs> I, I got I got I got my glass of wine here, and it's just Life it's delightful. Good. Oh, wow. delightful, awesome. Well, what you've missed, you've missed. Um, Steve Savagin, his namesake, Mr. King. Ah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too bad. I would have liked to hear that. <laughs> I'm, I'm notorious for that. <laughs> you know, Steve, when he goes in a rant, he just goes, over, you know. That's very cool. Was it because of a recent we book talk- or, or is something? Uh, revival, but we kind of oh, okay. All right. talked about King in general. Um, yeah. But wait until we get to reviews. I think we might be talking reviews this Friday. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so I will be ranty on that one if we do talk if that does happen. Because I have some thoughts. <laughs> some mm. thoughts. But uh, anyway, um, I also read the print or the darkness that comes before. It's my third time reading it. Wow. You yeah. read with um, Varsha, uh, with Dan, with Mike, with Carl D. Albert, the author Carl D. Albert. It was really great discussions. And I'm finding things in my third read that I did not notice in my first two. 
Nice. That's cool. I'm really, yeah, I'm really not a rereader, but I'm noticing all these things that I did not notice. I think the first time I read it, I got the story, kind of. Mm-hmm. The second time I picked up more of it, and now the third time I'm picking up little things that. Yeah. Now that now that I've read the entire series and going back and reading the first book, yeah, there's little there's little sentences, little words here and there that set up things in the last book, or at least reference them. So it's pretty neat, pretty neat seeing how early those seeds were planted in the first book. Nice. I'll have to get to that series someday. Yeah. yeah. Here's a question. So you've done this with you did the first read by totally by yourself, isn't that right, Steve? Yeah, first read the first book I did it by myself, and then I stopped, and then I read it. I read the entire series with uh, Daniel and Katarina. Katarina. So you've read then the other ones with different reading groups, so to speak. Although Daniel's in both, isn't he? Or is, is Daniel um, Dan in the third one? Is it? Yeah, Dan. Um, there's a different Dan, but yeah, Daniel Dan. does uh, interact with us on the forum, but he he's afraid to take up space on the streams for some reason. <laughs> right, okay. He's so, brilliant too. Yeah. So changing the reading group does it change your even before the discussions like i often think about this as well because say if i know i'm doing uh one of the masterworks reads with uh, jared and barsha and Susanna, etc i sort of know them well enough to know what they're looking for in reading terms so when i'm reading it i'm kind of hmm. thinking with their brain if they're what i mean it's kind of think what they are probably going to say and if you have a different reading group have you found that for doing the reread of Darkness Comes Before, for instance? Because you'll go in from like seeing things that Katarina and Daniel picked and I have other people? Very different, I think, because I don't, I don't think it's not a spoiler to say that in the in the first book and the first serial, really the whole the whole series, there's some um, parallels to the Crusades and Carl is very knowledgeable with the Crusades. Right. So he knows a lot of history. So his insights, I didn't things I didn't know. Like he'll tell us about history and these battles or these things happened or this political thing was going on. And Varsha, so uh, she's Varsha's another level too. She knows a lot of fantasy. She's just very intelligent. She she picks up on things that I never thought about. Uh, Mike picks up on things that I never thought about too. So everybody has like their own, and they all bring something that I. They all bring new things that I never thought of. Like I would never think of that, but it's like that's really cool that you thought of that. So it's really interesting how you can have so many different perspectives on a book uh, or entertainment, but it's been really, I've tried my best to have my poker face to not spoil things for them, <laughs> but I'm really, I, I can't wait to get into later books to see what their reactions are, but because right. it is a very, very memorable, we talked about endings and wrapping up stories. It's very, very memorable. And uh, yeah, so. Nice. Steve, you've got a good poker face for that kind of stuff, though. I haven't done True Detective with you. That was I actually oh, yeah. found myself. Uh, I watched one of the one of the recordings with it because somebody brought it up in the house, and I kind of went, "Oh, what's that?" And I was like, "Steve gives nothing away." Like, I remember trying to read like micro expressions and stuff when I was saying stuff. I, I would try and say things and time things so that I could spot things, and it didn't work. No good. I'm tr- I, tr- I try. Yeah. I'm not a pro. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah, it I is, try to just look done like you know. Yeah, this is what I love about the uh, the conversations. Mm-hmm. Is uh, I love it when people pick up stuff that I didn't see. I, I absolutely love that because it's just like, uh, oh wow, okay, that's a whole other thing. Sometimes I sit back and just listen to people, 
uh, talking mm-hmm. about what they found, and it's just uh, it uh, it's it's good. These conversations have been great with the mm-hmm. the Wars of Light and Shadow series because they really you really get so much out of it. Um, it's almost like doing a reread right there, you know. <laughs> That's a good way to put it, yeah. Yeah, I think there's. I think you can have a. A discussion for any book, and it would be um, rewarding. But I think there's just some that are so. There's so many different things that they bring to the table that it's. It's very. Um, you can go on for hours about them. There's certain books that you can, certain things you can't, but. Yeah, that's good stuff. I mean, I've talked about this before, but like, I thought when I started doing those kind of discussions, if somebody had a different opinion on me, it would annoy me so much. Like, I'd be like, mm. oh, like, you're wrong. This is, this is like the worst thing ever. But that, it's actually my favorite thing because hearing somebody not only say that they had a different opinion from me, but explain why, it can just kind of make you totally reevaluate your whole sense of that story. I think we did it a couple of times when we were doing the expanse. I would come yeah. in and say, This is the worst book in the series so far. And by the end of it, by the time everybody discussed it, I'd be like, This might be my favorite book because of the kind of conversation that it engendered, you know, I brought from it. And you're like, oh, Wow, how does this happen? Yeah. I think that's why book clubs, especially after the pandemic, I think, I think we, we, in some ways, I think not only readers, just people in general just crave that kind of interaction, that kind of back and forth. And, um, so it's, it's nice to have found people that are into that too. So cheers to that. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to restart fugitive Prince because I feel like I, I, I think now that I have some time to catch up, I'm going to restart it and uh, be ready for the next one. So nice. I'm restart that one. Um, I've been reading Berserk with uh, JC and Byrne and Varsha and Dan and it has just when I think it can't get any any bleaker it gets bleaker but it like sprinkles it in and it, it's, it doesn't seem like it's it doesn't always seem like it's shock value but sometimes I do wonder sometimes like is this really necessary like mm-hmm. do we really need to go this far with it like is it do we really need to be that shocking it I almost wonder, like, we set the bar a certain level to be shocking or to be, and it's like, okay, now I need to go farther, and now I need to push it even farther, and it's like, you really don't. <laughs> you really don't. Um, but overall, I think it's it's question about Berserk, because I've read other mangas, etc., and at a certain point, it feels like there's a formula to it, like they are, especially long-running manga series, they are doing this kind of thing, and although it's a New York, new story or whatever, it has the same kind of feel to it. It's bizarre, got that stage, because you're in 20-something, aren't you? Or in 20-something. 28? 28, I think it's right, yeah. It's actually my second manga. Um, so I don't know too much, but it, there's some things that happen that I wouldn't expect to happen. So there are some surprises. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. The only manga I've read has been um, Lone Wolf and Cub. Um, mm. From uh, that, that was first done back in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I read the Dark Horse adaptations when they came out, oh. and uh, 
That's um. I, have you guys ever read those at all? No. I've, I've watched the films. I've watched all six films. Oh, you watched the film? Well, those yeah. The uh, the they call them the baby cart films. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Shogun Assassin and stuff like that. Shogun Assassin's the uh, which the American is interpretation of the first and second one. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Um, which of course was featured in Kill Bill. The kid oh. was was asking the mother if they could watch Shogun Assassin at the end of the, <laughs> the second Kill Bill. That was that was hilarious. But <laughs> um, but uh, so that's that's what I was familiar with for manga. I never really could get into the into the other stuff that's more modern. Um, hmm. And uh, it's like a twenty eight volume like epic piece of uh uh work but it's really cool it's the, the artwork's outstanding and uh it's it's very a, a piece of its times it, it it's very misogynistic and uh at points so that's it that you have to get through that part of it but um the uh the artwork is so stunning and the uh and the, the rest of the story is really great uh so it's uh, just gonna be prepared for that, but uh hmm. yes. Lone Wolf and Cub? Lone Wolf and Cub, mm. yeah. And it's also what um the movie which was a comic first actually, uh Road to Redition was um based oh. on. Oh, right, okay. Uh it has that same father son dynamic. Yeah. It's mm. it's the uh like Lone Wolf and Cub was like one of the penultimate father-son dynamic basic uh, stories, you know, it was uh, from back then. A lot of, there's been a lot of imitation of that, imitation of that since then. Hmm. It was one of the most depressing movies I've seen until I re- until I saw The Road. And then I was oh, like, yeah. okay, it's worse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Road to Perdition? <laughs> no, yeah, Road to Perdition, then The Road was, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Bleak, bleak, bleak. Is that based on the 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 Cormac McCarthy book? Is that what yeah. that is? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I really want to read that book. Yeah. Funny to see it go through. Uh, Cormac McCarthy. I have Blood Meridian on the shelf because I thought you know that seems to be the one to read uh, if you're going to go Cormac McCarthy. So I may as well start yeah. there. And that was a movie too, right? I think so. Is it a movie? Was that? Or no, I'm thinking of No Country for Old Men. That's what I'm thinking about. Oh, that was definitely was a movie. Yeah, 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 with the yeah. Yeah, I think it's just a book. Um, I would love to read it though. So Chris, let me know when you. Yeah, I know Dan from Black and Blue Color Reader. Can I? I remember him posting on the forum saying, "I've just finished this book. Please, for the love of God, I need to talk to somebody." Yeah. I will add it to my cart right now. Oh, whole shit. Hold on. Paperback. <laughs> so, uh, and then the other thing I started this month, which we're talking about, or la- in November, we're talking about here in December, is Truth of Crowns oh, by Carl D. Albert. Yeah. Um, I'm only about 70 pages in. Um, I think I have a bad habit of starting a fantasy book and wondering, okay, how is this similar to something else? Yeah. Or not similar. I think I have a bad habit of looking for, okay, what is this going to do differently than everything else I've read? So I'm trying to not do that. But so far, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's 
It's that form. It's that formula thing we were talking about. You know, everything's inspired by something else, and you kind of, you kind of try see behind the pages, trying to see the author rather than see the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not to say that, the, but see, seeing the kind of inspiration behind something, and it's a bit like you were saying about uh, Jared with the Goths and the Romans. You know what I mean? That while it doesn't say that in the page, that's what you're reading. If that makes sense, you know. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was it for me. I think December will be a lot busier for me. Um, but I did, re- I did read almost all of. Well, I listened to "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep," mm-hmm. and I've. It strikes me as how, how these like AI and all these different things are. Have were discussed so long ago? Like, who could see that happening? Um, so all these really grand ideas that, are reality for us now in some ways yeah no they were talking about ai back in the 50s even uh it's been uh, that idea has been around a long time question for both of you mm-hmm. does ai exist because of those stories well that's uh pretty deep question is <laughs> Does AI actually exist at the moment? Because I still that's don't another think question. Yeah, that's right. Like weird. true, true artificial intelligence, yeah, or is it? The sentient spit isn't there. Uh, yeah, the sentient is definitely see, not it's, there. It's, yeah. it's not there. I think it's getting closer, but I still feel like we're 30, 40 years away, and I hmm. sort of do think by the time we get to that stage, and this is kind of the point of the book, I think you have to accept it as life. Like I, ju- I just don't see the distinction between that and not life. If you've got something that's actually AI or the definition of AI, at what point do you get the judge that it's not life? That's mm. like, mm. like, like I said, Janus Jimmel actually just kind of blew my well, mind in a lot of ways. Is, it, of is there going to be AI or is there going to be some combination of human and computer is it going to be some sort of interface combination that's going to, you know, um, replace both maybe or, you know, that what we consider AI now and, you know, what we consider humans, how, when is it going to, when are we going to integrate that? I think that's the question. Uh, Cybernetics basically. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, yeah. it's, it's, um, cause we're so, we're so glued to this right here that, this stuff the phones and uh, so much yeah and we're so glued to it what's the next step besides being addicted to the screen and is it is it you know is it a chip that we can see all this stuff without having to hold anything in our hands or is it you know and then how does that affect you know the future generation going forward uh yeah i'm not sure about the sentience of AI separately from humans, but how much integration is there going to be with humans? And I think that's that might be a bigger concern, mm. actually. Mm. Yeah. Because there are AI girlfriends now that are making a ton of money, <laughs> yeah. but it's not a, it's not a physical thing yet. But I think yeah. back to um, to the movie Her. I don't know if you if yeah. you've both yeah. seen Her. Yeah. Or yeah but we're we're close to that, aren't we? I mean, isn't that we're getting closer to that? Getting closer, so, a few years away. 
like at least to that level of intelli- of that level of AI to where it can it can be it doesn't feel artificial. It feels like a person talking to you. I think one of the points of, of her in the movie is that it, it, it actually takes it right through to its final conclusion about all that kind of stuff is if it's making those people happy is it wrong? If it's feeling that feeling that needed in their life is it okay for other people who are in like different types of relationships just say, to say to judge and say that's wrong and I think that's one of the key tassels hmm. of that whole that whole film in some ways, even and how it plays out its resolution, insofar as that if you accept that it's okay, then you should accept the ending of that movie as well as being a possible outcome. So I think, the, I think where the problem comes in, I would never say someone should never do something like that because if that's you know that's the, their decision. But I do think there's there's an issue when you have an AI girlfriend that says yes to everything. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a, it doesn't, there's never any disagreements or they always agree with you. They're willing to do whatever you want them to do. They, uh, they tell you about how great you are all the time. Do you start to forget how to deal with conflict? Because you're always going to have conflict. Mm. So do you almost need that, that opposing voice to say, no, you're being an idiot. Like, don't do that. Or do you want someone to say, yeah, that's a great idea. Like, you should go do that right now. I think there's, I think that's when it gets into, it can be potentially bad for people's mental health in the long term when they don't have a back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. But the thing is, if it's, if it doesn't have that degree of interaction where it can say, hey, you're not, you might not be doing the right thing then is it truly AI? You know? Because if it's just agreeing with you all the time, then it can just be a program. But if someone's opting for an AI partner, do they want someone to disagree with them? Or do they want someone to agree with them all the time? Because if you have someone who will, I want an AI partner, and the AI says, no, you shouldn't do that. Say, you know what? So. I'm not going to pay my monthly fee for someone who's going to disagree with me. I'm going to go somewhere else <laughs> I think it's for someone who's going to agree with me. Such a really good point because again, it's not. It's a bit like saying about this philosophical sci-fi. The stuff that's in here, there. If you plant that idea, it means that anybody can get a partner that just fills a need or niche of them, whether it's them otherwise. If that's the case, does the whole morality sense of society break down then? If you don't, if you hmm. put yourself in like a really relationship where there is a sense that you will be judged or you have to conform a certain way, that sort of keeps society on that kind of that, that level. Whereas if you take that away, does society just then become a free for all? Yeah. Uh, Harari's um, follow up to Sapiens. Uh, Homo Deus Duix, how do you say that? Hmm. Um, gets into that a lot because he's talking right. about the f- the future of humanity rather than the, than the history of it, and he gets into the the uh, that a lot. He brings into that those ideas that you guys have been talking about right now. He talks about that a lot, and he and he talks about interface and possibly being the next step in, in evolution for 
for mankind, and uh, he really uh, he really delves into a lot of that stuff. It's a fascinating book if uh, you ever get a chance to read it. Hmm. Big big ideas for sure. Yeah, big ideas. Yep. <laughs> Fascinatingly big ideas. I don't remember a thing, but I know the way big ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I was just looking forward to your churn, like in our lecture for for us on on the kind of outcomes of those. <laughs> <laughs> those books or otherwise um, but yeah that, that that whole sphere of conversation about the good the bad and the dangers and the, the benefits I yeah. think I, if I had a fear it's that it will not be talked about or conversed in the way that it needs to be going forward it will just be kind mm. of brushed over in in the pursuit of progress which I think is an awful yeah. lot of what we talk about in a on a ongoing basis in the, in the art or creative world. Yeah, I think we've gotten so accustomed to just like, this is the next thing. Kind of like with social media. Social media, everyone's using it or most people use it and it tracks me. Well, it's just part of the, just, it's just technology. It mm-hmm. logs my keystrokes. It's just technology. It accesses my camera. It accesses my microphone. It reads my contacts, reads my text messages. My emails. It knows what I'm doing. It can watch me from my camera at any moment. Well, just the way things are. It's just kind of like we just go along with it. We just continually just, it, the bar keeps getting higher and we keep saying, well, that's fine. You know, I want to post TikToks, so I'll deal with it. That's not me, but people. No, I know. I got, I got teenagers and it's, yeah. it, the TikTok thing is, is kind of horrifying sometimes. Uh, it really is. But uh, have ha- you read the the terms of service for TikTok? It's fucking mind blowing. <laughs> it's insane. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> no, I haven't, but I can only imagine. It, uh, I'm sure it's not in my favor. I guarantee you that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like everything is in the service of big business, the service of corp- corporations or otherwise. Another platform that's really bad with privacy that no one talks about is Discord. Is it? Yes. Wow. Is that how? Of, the, yeah. Is that how the guy got caught uh, trading uh, state secrets there? Uh, military I'm secrets. Sure if that, I'm not sure if that's specifically why, but yeah, the Discord. Um, Discord. Lo- they. They. It's very bad on privacy. The the owner, the creator of Discord, is notoriously bad for privacy when he launched Discord, and a Chinese company owns it. And all of all of your information, you can never delete your account. You can never really delete it, and all that information is stored on servers in China. Oh boy, <laughs> never goes away. Yeah. So what I use Discord for, I will say, and and this is where the guilt comes from. I I was I was a member of lots of Discord servers until this week, and I just kind of left them all. Not because I dislike the creators or anything to do with it, but at a certain point, you're not engaging with any of them. Like it's just not a not a thing. And just like I'm just getting rid of all of this noise from from a life. If, if I want to say that, maybe that's the reason my mood's picked up this past week. I've just kind of done like clearing the house and kind of went get out of that, get out of that. Because it, by and large, I I've only ever used Discord for uh, as voice comms for playing games. 
Mm-hmm. Like that's literally been just been an avenue just for to meet up with friends and kind of have a voice voice platform to, to talk about, not oh, okay. sharing information or anything. It's just literally just been here, pop in this room, and talk to other people. Yeah, I think when I, I tried to use a Discord, there's so many notifications it never left you alone. There's so many servers and so it's it's hard to keep up, and I spent more time in Discord trying to. Trying to find what I missed than I did like actually reading things. Just impossible. <laughs> oh wow! Can't keep up. Yeah, I, I um, because I'm on it for a couple of things, and I, I use it mainly just to post my videos and uh, com- and email people that I don't have like a other type of contact with. Um, that's it. A lot of the conversations that I see on there, I have no idea what they're talking about. Like I'm, I'm lost. I, I'm just like, okay. I don't even go there. I don't even look at them because I'm just like, okay. Every once in a while, I'll see something that pops up. I was like, oh. And I'll say something, but uh, most of the times I'm lost. I'm, I have no idea what people are talking about. I think Discord is hard too because of that. Because it is like a, it's. It reminds me of like late '90s, early 2000s chat rooms. Yeah, That's basically it's like a, it's like an IRC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if it's almost like if you don't take the time to catch up with everyone, mm. then when there's already established groups, it's hard to fit in. Yeah. You feel like an outsider. It's hard to you feel like a third wheel because yeah. they have all yeah. these things going on and you you feel like an outsider. So it's 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 one of those weird social conventions of it creates its own mini hierarchy depending on how much you engage with it. Like which is in its own right like a mental health absolute nightmare of the last order insofar <laughs> as you could kind of go oh I haven't been on here in a week or a month and these people are all fabulous but I have no idea what's going on at all mm-hmm. and that creates its own pressure and, uh, yeah trying to cut down as much of that as I can yeah. <laughs> so uh, this month I also well I, re- I was re-watching a few movies we re we're watching the Alien franchise seen that yeah nice. talking about it tomorrow or... how's, your, how's your ranking on that steve how's my what your ranking of the uh, of the aliens movies if i had to rank right now on the spot i'm gonna be unpopular okay i would say first is alien i think it's hard to beat it second <laughs> i want to get some i might get some hate for this second is the alien 3 assembly cut assembly cut what's the difference in the, I think they released it in the 2000s, there was a, a cut that Fincher, was it Fincher? No, not Fincher, I'm no, sorry. No, um, oh, no, three was Fincher. Three was Fincher. Was it Fincher? Okay, yeah. yeah. He, um, before all the studio interference, he recorded a lot of scenes that weren't polished. And um, there was a theatrical cut. I think there's a theatrical and assembly cut. So a lot of the scenes aren't finished. A lot of the audio is not cleaned up. But it's it's a lot different, and I, I really liked. I really liked Ripley's end. I think that. Okay. I really like the ending of the movie. I really like Ripley's arc. I should say. Don't want to spoil the oh, okay. thirty-year-old movie for anyone. But <laughs> so assembly Alien Three assembly cut, Aliens. Um, Prometheus, maybe, okay. yeah. Alien Covenant, and then Resurrection. Resurrection should be thrown away. It should be burned and never seen again by anyone <laughs> ever. 
But here's the thing. I 100% agree with your ranking of those films. Oh, wow. That's, okay. that's, that's, a, that's interesting. It, it is funny because Aliens, as a movie, if you'd ask me in my 20s, it was my favourite by far. Yeah, um, me too. And then as the years have went on, I mean, I just think Alien, Alien is just one of the most incredible movies of all time. Especially the yeah, I really like Alien. Minutes of it. Oh, it's, it's, it's magnificent. I, I really liked the first one a lot. Of the Rinsler, Rinsler book of the making of Alien and read it cover to cover. It just blew my mind up. That book, that book and that film uh, of its genesis. And three's underappreciated, but I do like Fincher. So. Although Aliens did have some of the most quotable lines oh, for sure, that yeah. growing oh, up, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. And that's what, I'm saying. that's what I'm saying. Like when I'm a younger viewer and kind of taken yeah. in entertainment you, I, I was looking for something very very different out of those films than, than i probably look for as a more mature kind of grumpy <laughs> uh <laughs> kind of person that i am now I, I kind of don't need to have the entertainment i look at the young character and kind of go that was unnecessary it's been used for effect or for a reason or for markets and all of that kind of marketing reasons it doesn't it takes away from what the central character of ripley in a lot of ways and is sort of redeemed in three you know, as, as you say, her ending and her closing of her story arc, I think, is is very powerful. Um, oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Well, I shouldn't say brilliant. I think it's fitting. Fitting, yeah. But I, I would, I, I'm really looking forward to talking about her arc as a character and where she starts from Alien and where she ends up in the journey that she takes. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I hear modern, like Jennifer... Um, forget her name her mind plus my mind from hunger games which is what she took lawrence and i think she's a great actress i think she's wonderful but when she says things like oh i'm the first action movie star like no one's ever cast a woman in this like an act it's like what a dumb thing to say like there's sigourney weaver was like a complete badass back in like 1979 um yeah she's great um but yeah i i think in covenant not to get too sidetracked, but I think Covenant, when I went in and I, I removed my expectations and just watched it, it was a lot better. And I think there's some problems with Prometheus, but I think it gets a little bit too much grief. I think it's it's a, it's better than what people give it credit for. I've probably said this before, but I watched Prometheus without watching any trailers. Yeah. And I did not know it was an alien movie at all until about the last 20 minutes of the movie. And I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> and as, as it dawned on me, I was like, this is an alien movie. <laughs> I was like, and everybody's like, well, obviously it was an alien movie. It was in all the promotion. I was like, it was just called Prometheus. That's all that I've seen. And Michael Fassbender was the thing that was used to market it quite a lot, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I had no idea. But it made that all, all the more powerful, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's some interesting ideas with that. Um, but that's another franchise. Do I, do I really want to know? Do I really want it to end? Do I really want answers? I don't know. Well, all the best stuff in Alien is the unexplainable. You know the stuff in the here? Mm-hmm. Even in Alien, when they arrive with their <coughs> eggs in the, on the homeland, just sitting there, and the kind of the monolith of the thing looking up at the stars, like the possibilities that are way more interesting than knowing what that is like that stuff mm-hmm. as an imagery just living in your head is like anything can happen now this is fantastic <clears throat> yeah so you you guys are free to join us in the morning or my morning 
uh, Chris, you're probably your afternoon. It's afternoon. I think uh, it's three in the for, afternoon. Yeah, I for film chewing. A, a rewatch, oh, but I'll yeah, see how I can't. But uh, I barely remember anything from those movies. I would have to, I'd have to rewatch them if I was going to do talk about them at all. It's been so long. <laughs> Aliens is the one that I watch again and again. It's it's yeah, the, it's yeah. uh, of them all. I watch. In fact, a lot of times I just watch the first twenty minutes. First twenty minutes, I just think is just so brilliant. Uh, it's Ridley Scott. Second movie. So good. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's just insane. Um, uh, I also rewatched The Crow. That was interesting. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. And I did see Oppenheimer. Uh, and it, it's a three-hour movie that doesn't feel like three hours. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I learned a lot. I didn't know a lot of th- and Who knows how historically accurate it is, so you never know. But then I, uh, we did watch, and the kids were like, we want to see more movies like this. And I thought, well, let's watch <laughs> JFK from 1991. I love Oliver Stone. Yeah, that's um, a great movie. That's another interesting movie. I don't know that hits the mark with all the theories i have my own ideas behind it but uh, again about the assassination but i think it's still an, another movie that was three hours long it didn't feel like three hours i watched the channel 4 documentary i think it's been pretty conclusively cleared it cleared what did happen that day <laughs> oh really yeah yeah uh, what happened hmm. again the front seat shot him <laughs> really? Per, per, yeah, because the way his head snapped back and everything it was really, really compelling. Like from from a physical argument of it had to be him. It could only have been him. While there may have been shots fired or otherwise, the only person that actually could have killed him in that way in trying to pull his gun out of his pocket, they uh they think he, he killed him. Accidentally. That's a new one. Wow. Yeah. But it, it was incredibly convincing because they did the whole kind of wireframe and all of that kind of stuff and I was like right okay well I, I can't believe anything else now because this is uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is hmm. pretty incredible hmm. yeah I was a, a criminal justice major so we did a lot of white collar crime um, ah. and they went over all the the Gian, uh, Giancana uh, mafia ties to his dad and so oh, there's a lot of uh, maybe I have I'm, no doubt yeah. that that was the intention the, uh, that I think in much the same way as a lot of people have been killed through through life because of their role in society and the, the kind of power that they were wielding. Uh, but it is quite possible that that was unintentionally. Uh, the murderer, even though like it was just pure luck that he wasn't killed beforehand or otherwise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so many great conspiracies. Oh, it's so many great theories and... Yeah. Well, it's a great movie. Like the the, the JFK yeah. movie by Oliver Stone is brilliant. As is Thirteen Days. I think that's underappreciated as well. Uh, Thirteen what? Cute, Thirteen Days with the a bit of movie Crisis. Also with uh, Kevin Costner. I always group those two together in my head. Oh, oh right. Yeah. Hmm. I love Oliver Stone. He's such a mind bending style. I think even Sundays is great. It's probably the best American football movie that there is. Yeah, it's funny you hear some some football players say that's ridiculous. There's nothing like that, and some will say that's exactly what it's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you wonder. But any um, any personal goals accomplished this month? You guys want to share? 
just going to talk about a couple of movies that I, that I, that I watched since you've done, yeah, done the movies. It. I watched Cool Hand Luke. If anybody's seen Cool Hand Luke. Oh, recently. nice. I hadn't What's seen that? that in Cool Hand Luke with Paul Newman. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't seen it in about 20 years and kind of what I had remembered it was about was not what that film's about at all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, again, that idea of being entertained by a movie and thinking it's just this kind of guy that sits in the edge of society's kind of just doesn't want to conform. That's not what that movie's about. It's about the penal system in America. It's about how mm. they punish actual crime. It is about power dynamics within certain systems of society. That film has rocketed into my top 20 movies of all time for, for sure. Like, just totally blew my mind about how great it was and had great hmm. Paul Newman is in it and all the rest of it and the other one I watched that I thought I'd be interested to talk about is a, a Japanese film called The Bullet Train oh how not was that the, not the Brad, Brad Pitt one not so the Brad Pitt one yeah this is basically Speed uh, before Speed was made this is a 70s Japanese movie and it's basically the idea that on the bullet train in in Japan they planted a bomb on a train it basically says it couldn't go under a certain speed and if it did it would blow up oh uh, but there were a lot of passengers on, on board etc and it's, again it's nearly two and a half three hours long of a movie kind of flies by but I think it's an interesting thing to say okay they say it didn't influence speed but I mean, it's basically speed without Dennis Hopper <laughs> sounds like speed yeah and TV series uh, I just finished The Burr yesterday has anybody seen The Burr yeah, I have. I've heard it's really good. It's really it's good. Fabulous. Did you, did, did, especially that one episode with the family <laughs> at Christmas. Oh, fishes, fishes. Uh, it was Thanksgiving with yes, Jamie yes. with Jamie Lee Curtis and and yes. uh, and uh, what's his name from uh, from Breaking Bad. Uh, oh, from Bre- oh, Bob Odenkirk. Is that he is. He is Bob Odenkirk. So he's he's. Uh, oh, Odenkirk. He's yeah, Odenkirk. Yeah, um, that. That single episode was so brilliant, so brilliantly done. It was amazing, and it was extra long too. Yeah. And uh, it was um, uh, it reminded me of something. I couldn't remember what it was, but it was such a great. Uh, what do you call that? A um, microcosm of the whole series, mm-hmm. compacted into that one episode. And the whole family dynamic, and it was just hmm. beautifully done. That that it's episode, sort of why everybody is the way that they are. Yeah, it explains so you know? much about all their personalities and all the whole stories and situations and everything. And that one episode really just summed up the whole series so well. It was great. It was so well done. It's, it's got to be nominated. It, it has to be. Episode after that, actually, even like better. I think it's his forks, which is Richie going into work as, as the guy, for another restaurant, uh, in training. Um, yeah, that was cool. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, yep. Very good. I mean, that, yep. that that show does a couple of singular episodes. I mean, there's one in the first series yeah. as well, which is just like only about 15, 20 minutes long, and it's just so manic, and so over the top that when the credits roll at the end of it, you're like, I haven't breathed for fifteen minutes. Like, yeah, this is just unbelievable. Hmm. It's like a pure stress bomb. Yeah, it was so good. Wow. It, I mean, I thought season two was a lot better actually than season one. I agree. S- I agree. Season one, I thought took a little bit to get going, but uh, and it took a little while to get used to the characters. But um, 
Season two was brilliant. I, I love hmm. in that in that show how they deal with character arcs, right? So a lot <laughs> of shows come to a climax and everybody's happy at the end or everybody's sad at the end. And the, the bear seems to do this. Everybody's up and down. They're all at different stages at different times. So even by the time you get to the end of the, the series, some people are running up. Some people have had the best day of their lives. Some people have had their worst day of their lives. And kind of everybody's in a flux. So you as a viewer just kind of don't know how to how to feel about it. You know, it's this kind of sense of unease about it and going, oh, but I want to see more. I want to see more of these people. I sort of like all of them. And like who your favorite person has changes from episode to episode. It's more sure. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. It, it, yeah. It was really well done. Hmm. That second season was just great. Ah, uh, it's fantastic. And I hmm. well, I'm watching Strange New Worlds Star Trek series, which I'll just say is just I think it's a great Trek. If you like Star Trek, I think it's a really fabulous Trek. Uh, but the other thing I started watching was Until the Murder at the End of the World, which is on Disney Plus for me at the moment. And Star Plus. And, and, and oh yeah, I've seen the trailer for that. Yeah. Is it any good? It's fabulous. So oh, it's good. four really? episodes okay. in at the moment. Uh, it is by the creators of the OC, if you've ever seen the OC, which is just weird and wacky and wonderful. It's still on Netflix if you want. But it's basically about people getting invited to a retreat by a very rich guy. And somebody's killed them. And they're cut off, isolated from the rest of the world. And it's about, you know, kind of who killed them, so far, but there's also all this other shit going on at the side <laughs> uh, and you're like okay and they're, everybody's a hacker in there and the, oh, the whole thing's just it's so mm. multi-layered and so interesting and so like the cast they have is brilliant and Clive Owens in it Emma Corrin's in it Carl Dickinson Ooh. from uh, Triangle of Sadness is in it and oh, the, the whole thing's just it just feels very very well put together but yeah if you like a murder mystery especially and you like things that are a bit wacky and weird murder at the end of the world Great. I still have to watch Happy Valley. So good. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> it's another stress bomb. It's another absolute. Sometimes you just get the end of the and go, my heart, it, it's honestly beating too fast. Like, this is just ridiculous. I can't. I couldn't watch another episode of that. And thankfully, when that happens, they usually do an episode which is a little bit calmer or otherwise. But Happy Valley. Is it, what, what platform is that on? So it was a BBC show, um, and it was it's been made over like a fifteen year period. Um, the last series they only made because they wanted some of the characters from the earlier series to get older, to hmm. kind of tell their story, uh, all that kind of stuff. It's it's a story of of a of a valley in Wales, which or a little village in a valley in Wales, which is just got a drug problem. So they call it Happy Valley because everybody's high essentially that's in the town oh, okay. and it's about a police officer that is trying to work in that environment but there's some trauma happened to her and her family and some ongoing things that happened in her family and it, some of those episodes in that are just incredible some people say it's a bit too heightened but I think each episode each series is only six episodes classic British TV uh, sense of storytelling like no fluff on it just kind of tell the story you want to tell get out all three series are brilliant hmm. finished this year it was Cool. Damn it. But goals for this year, or for goals for next month? Goals for this month or this year? Uh, geez, I don't know. Uh, well, next 
next week. Yeah, eight days from now is uh, my one year anniversary on YouTube. Ah. So nice. I don't know if I should do something. Or not. I would just say. Of yeah. course you should. You How has your year on YouTube been, Jared? <laughs> uh, well, it got me in touch with you guys, so. Um, so not that good. So that's you know. <laughs> so what about the high points then? <laughs> yeah. So what, what good happened? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the uh, the connections have been wonderful, really wonderful. That's uh, that was, um, and it was, and it, it was unexpected. I I didn't yeah. uh, I didn't start it to to um, get connections with people. Um, I thought I thought I was just going to be making videos and people would watch them and maybe get a few comments on below and that was it, you know. And uh, but then um, it just when you started when it started interacting with people on uh, their their videos and my videos and then it uh, kind of snowballed into something more and. Um, and uh you know i'm always very thankful to, to uh devasha for inviting me on the page to informs uh cuz oh. then that was um that was even better you know than than the youtube uh, stuff which i still you know i still love but um yeah. it uh it's really been cool and um so it's it's been a you know mostly mostly positive experience Apart from the trolls, apart from my recent two <laughs> trolls, um, which when you which, have trolls, you've made it. Yeah, uh, which I'm still I'm still on the fence on whether they're trolls or not. But it, <laughs> it's uh, it's funny because I don't I haven't deleted them yet, you know, because I I'm still like, you know, people are entitled to their opinions, their opinion? you know. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think I, they are maybe a bit forceful in how they're expressing how you're wrong. You know, their tone yeah. is maybe not, not, not. Uh, but, but. It's like, I don't have a problem with somebody telling me I'm wrong. I, that, <laughs> yeah, I, okay, I'm wrong, you know, but, <laughs> uh, mm. but um, if, uh, if they do get insulting, that's, that's, you know, that's when I'll take, uh, take issue, you know, but uh, I don't know. It's, they're pretty tame, I guess, so far, but. Uh, but no, it's, it's, uh, it's been quite the experience because I didn't know what I was getting into. I really didn't. I just turned the camera on and started talking and, uh, and, um, so I've, uh, I've learned a lot of stuff along the way and it's, uh, it's, it's been pretty cool. YouTube's a, an interesting experience. I think, I think very few people would say it's exactly what they thought it was going to be going in. Uh, I think what you get out of it is very extremely different, as you as you say. Yeah. Things that I kind of thought I thought I would need to have a large viewership before anybody would actually properly engage with me. If that makes sense, I sort of thought you would yeah. have to get the about two thousand subscribers before anybody would actually continually, <laughs> you know, be be people that you recognize or something like that. And that is definitely not the case. Or even that you could contribute to somebody else's community. And be the same, you know what I mean? That you, yeah. you could do, you know. Yeah. I think about but, the number of really good friends that I've made from the platform. Just yeah, yeah. That's that's the that's the key right there. It, and I, uh, 
You know, it's funny because I was like about four or five months in, and I was like, you know, I, I'm sitting at like I don't know, 60 subscribers and whatever, and, uh, and I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'm just having fun doing this. And then I was like looking at other people who just started their channel and they're already up to like yeah. 400, 500 subscribers. <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on there? And yeah. and then I realized, you know, it's it's all about the uh, how you put it towards the algorithm and stuff like that. And and I'm like, and I and I realized, you know, well, I'm not really interested in that, yeah. you know. I'm not really interested in in trying to shoot for the moon and what have you. I just wanna, I just wanna talk about these books that are awesome, and and uh, you know discuss them somewhat. You know. I think that's one of the things because I I have a, a number of friends who live by the algorithm. They're tortured by the algorithm. Yeah. They subscribe to Tube Buddy and they look for the keywords that they should be and they make the content based on the keywords and all that stuff and they are tortured on a daily basis by what they should what content mm. they should be making right right and the thing i would say to them is and have said them it's like you're literally going to get out of it what you put into it then then you're going to get people engaging with your content who are not the people that you want to even have the conversations with whereas even if you have a small channel and you only have a number of subscribers, literally if you're making the content you want to make, those people that are coming to see you want to engage with that content, which is exactly mm -hmm. the kind of viewer that you want. Yeah. So whether it's 60 people, 100 people, 1,000 people, whatever that number is, they are there to see your review, this really obscure book <laughs> that nobody else is talking about or that nobody yeah. else is talking about. And at a certain point, I often say, like, I have 400 and something subscribers. I don't know how anybody comes with any more subscribers. Like it's just, it's just ridiculous. How, how could you respond to the comments? I look at friends of mine and go, they post a video, and three hours later they have sixty comments, and I'm like, I think I would throw up. I think I would throw <laughs> up everywhere if I had sixty comments. I think I would just delete my channel. I think I'd be out of there. Like just couldn't do it. I'll answer yeah. them for you, Chris. Oh, that's, All right. That's, that's, yeah. If we ever get to that point, I, I'll set you on the message, Jared. You can set you like. Try and get rid of them. Your subscriber <laughs> count might go, might, might go way down after that. But. Just get, get rid of them. Get rid of them. It's too much work. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny um, because if you, you know, like you you spend all this time making videos. And like Chris said, you, you have certain people interact. There's a formula that you can use to have a really successful channel. Well, let me, uh, you can have a, a channel that gains a lot of subscribers fast if you really wanted to. There's a certain path you can take, especially in literature. You can have certain fantasy series and you'll skyrocket. And if you're into that, go for it. Like, do it. If that's what you want out of the button. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If that's what you want to do, yeah. Yeah, so because I've seen channels that start off with certain, certain f fantasy franchises and focus on certain things, and they have 4,000 subscribers in two months. And more power to them. But I think uh, Jane from Lady Jane Books had a video a while back and talked about a successful channel is different to everyone because what is a, is a, success, a successful channel isn't necessarily the amount of subs you have. It's the content that you're putting into it. So a successful channel to to us may be, I, I want quality interaction. I want I want genuine interaction. And if I have four, 400 subscribers and... And I get good interaction, then I'm happy with that. Yeah, right. But some people want 
thousands of subscribers for some reason because you know great but then you have you know like so everyone has a different bar of what they deem successful so i think it's important to not get wrapped up in that and think well i have a hundred subscribers but you know i'm I'm enjoying what i make but my channel is a failure no it's not like if you enjoy it then you're not a failure like you're doing a good job do what you want to do because it's there's a, a video by Daniel Green. I don't even watch Daniel Green, but he came up on my recommended. I don't think I've ever seen a, a video of his, but he made a video recently talking about how he he watched the analytics page every day, and he was he wanted to see that growth every single day, and he was chasing the algorithm. He was chasing the next big thing, choosing his content because he wanted to see that green. He wanted to see the channel growth. He wanted to see those numbers oh, go up. And he was he was obsessed with pleasing the algorithm, and now he's like, you know, what? I like book reviews and I like talking to people, and that's what I'm going to do. It's like because I'm just not enjoying myself, and I think that's great. Like, do what makes you happy, and if he enjoys doing, do it. Like, of course, it's easy for him, right? Because he's hundreds of thousands or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but really, none of us are here. None, none of us are doing this to make any money because there's no money to be made. No, really, I mean, no, there's no money. You can, but not really. Yeah, yeah, and and there is a certain level of um, of dopamine that oh, gets created oh, yeah. when you see that green numbers. You know, uh, so it, it's I can see easily how how people can get trapped in that and and want to see that. You know, it's. Um, it's uh you know it's like it's pleasing to the to the senses to see that you know oh, yeah. on a certain level and uh you know so it's a matter of um realizing that that's not that's not the be all and end all of uh of why we're here i mean if i really really wanted to grow a youtube channel i probably wouldn't be here talking to you guys right now <laughs> 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 and uh <laughs> You know. I could have told you that, Jared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jared. Yeah. No offense, but... Uh, no, you know, you're right. Yeah. I wouldn't be wasting my time. But <laughs> you guys, too. You know, If you really, really wanted to grow it, you wouldn't be here, right? <laughs> but, but, like, I can't tell you. Like, we did the Night Fever discussion on, what was it, Wednesday or something? I came mm-hmm. off of that discussion on such a high. Like, yeah, like, that was great. High, like, like, even if I checked my analytics and I'd gained 50 subscribers that day, it wouldn't have been as much as the yeah. high as I came off that day of that, that conversation. And it was like, that, mm-hmm. Oh, that Friday conversation we just had with AP and Janie, that was, that was spectacular. That was, uh, and, and it was, it was three hours and it was like, boop, like done. It went by so fast and, uh, it yeah. was, it was great. Really great conversations. And similar sort of thing, like when if you'd have said to me, like we didn't find a conversation with Steve. Steve's been very lucky to invite me on a lot of times. And you think about the people you're going to speak to, and sometimes you go, "Oh, I'm a bit nervous. I, oh, I, I'm yeah. so in awe of all of this." Oh yeah. And sometimes I hate those those ones because the person that came up the other isn't what I thought of them, or otherwise it didn't gel, or otherwise. Mm. And then other people are like, "I have no idea this person is," or some of my favorites. You know what I mean? And you kind of come yeah. off and go, like, I really, I love that. That was so honest and kind of whatever else. So your perceptions of what all of those things are going to be is often completely warped. You know, and it kind of, it's about mm. having the interesting conversations and things. Yeah. That engage you oh, I'm, yeah. I'm getting better, but I get nervous every time I go on. 
<laughs> really, I do. I, I'm like, oh, geez, I had this discussion today, and I get nervous. You know, once I mm. get into it, I'm fine. But uh, I always get those those what are they pre-stage jitters or whatever. Um, but uh, I was nervous twice. That's it. Were you nervous? Twice. First one, first time we did the conversation with Jamie, and I actually I think I remember that very well. Nobody spoke. Everybody yeah. was just like, "Oh yeah. my god!" Yeah, <laughs> right? that was. Uh, this is yeah. insane. This, um, it's like <laughs> bow before time. the master. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is, especially because I, I sort of like revitalized or worked beforehand, you know, even with outside of the world of channels. And the other one was when uh, Jill, Jim Wilborn contacted me to say, "Well, can I do my book launch on your channel?" And I was like, "No." No, that was my initial speak. Was like, no, don't do it in mine. Like, this is the worst career decision you've ever made. Like, this is not, <laughs> this is not a good move, <sighs> or otherwise. And uh, no, he was insistent because there was a couple of other people he could have done it with. And I was like, look, if you want, that, I was unbelievably honoured at the time. But it was like that pressure of like, oh, shit, I better do this right. You know, I better do as good a job as I can, and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, that, that's nervous. That's pressure. That isn't just. This is somebody's written this book for hours and hours and hours and hours and end like that's yeah not, that's outside that's, pressure uh, that's not that's like the first time i had ap on my channel talking about mm. D. oh i was a nervous wreck that day <laughs> 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 i really was he's brilliant isn't he there's so many brilliant oh, people yeah. he is just brilliant. like yeah blows your mind but that is something I say on, on in real life. I said to friends quite a lot, but the amount of brilliant people that you meet on a day-to-day basis in your life is so few that it's almost never yeah. worth, worth worrying about, right? But then you take that into in like an online phase, and actually that quotient can go way up very quickly. <laughs> you know, depending on the circles and the people you hold in, you can meet brilliant people on a regular basis, and you just go, wow. Like we did Michael Sullivan, Adrian Tchaikovsky, and R.J. Barker within three three days, one after the other, and I just remember going, "Yeah, oh my god, like brilliant, 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 brilliant. like that, like unbelievably, like it was almost a overload of like I need to bring me a game today, I need to get a good night's sleep, you know, <laughs> even that yeah. conversation." Yeah, it was wild. Yeah, but fun. It was a good stretch. Yeah, and really even. I don't want to say lesser known. I don't want to be disrespectful. Even others who aren't as not, or aren't as uh, recognizable or haven't had, or just starting out, haven't had the success yet. Some of those are the most interesting people to talk to, you know. So it's uh, so many great uh, discussions, though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Like, I remember the first time, like Carl's very much part of the community. First stream the Carl did, I was like, like amazing amazingly interesting thoughtful and you know intelligent person to have a conversation with just on a Friday night whatever yeah he took the reins for the character (laughs) the character (laughs) episode and he actually kept us in line I was like well you're pretty good because we didn't veer off a whole lot he kept us in on on topic (laughs) so big big celebration coming then Jared that's the uh... Uh, we'll see I, I, I don't I don't know. I don't have any ideas, so I'm not sure. <laughs> not sure what I'm gonna do. <laughs> you should do something fun. But, Big uh, accomplishment. A lot of people fall off pretty quick. Oh, to make a year like. Do this. they? Uh, oh. oh yeah. Yeah. I think I the average channel, I would guess, for BookTube lasts three to six months. 
Yeah, maybe. So. Oh, really? Okay. I. Yeah, I'm not sure. The reality, really. What people think it is and what the reality of is, like, I don't want to say churning out content, but it's like regularly putting out content means you set up and and. You know, a lot, I think a lot of people think uh, what I have to say is so interesting that I'll be in a thousand subscribers within two weeks. Like yeah. that, uh, it'll, it'll be amazing, and that's just not how it works, and it's not the way the way it should work either. You know, there's a lot of challenges. That's, that's not the way life know. works. Yeah, it's not the way life works. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly right. Um, but like having at least a couple of people who will engage with you on a regular basis, I think, is just kind of amazing in a lot of ways. You know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let us know, Jared, where we can help you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll just do a. I don't know. I've never done a live stream. It's uh, not hard. <laughs> oh, I know. Really yeah. Much. I know it's not hard, but um, it's just not. It wasn't if it's anything I aspired to do, you know? But, uh, no, no. I know some knows, quite uh, big YouTubers that just are terrified by live streams. They've done live streams with me and not spoken because they're like so freaked out by the fact that they can't edit it and record. <laughs> no, put it together at the end. It's like what? I just can't know. Yeah. yeah, I've you know I've been on a couple and uh, I don't have a problem with them. You know, so, but uh, but I you know I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's something I. Yeah, that you want to do. Yeah, yeah. That I want to do. Just because everybody else does it. Does it? Says, yeah. Like, that Q and A session or whatever. That can be quite a good one. Send me in questions or. I don't know, you can even have people send them in and just yeah. answer. Yeah. And just record and. Oh right, and yeah. Post it. Right, yeah, yeah. You you could even do it while while eating a filet mignon roast in between each question. <laughs> do you know like a. <laughs> that sounds so good. I've been thinking about it. Like... <laughs> Saturday night filet. Here I mean, we go. I, I don't mean to put ideas or requests even, but I think that's a good. one. <laughs> Uh, uh, I'll drink to that. The ale, you know? <laughs> that does sound pretty good. Yeah, that does. Oh, man. Uh, yeah so that's... Uh, do we already go over... Yeah, Yeah, that's... Go ahead, Jordan. I'm sorry. That's something I got to think about for goals for December, I guess. Um, you know, and then, uh, then after that, it's just making it through the holiday without oh, strangling yeah. children. And then... Um, <laughs> And then uh, I'm off the week after Christmas from work, uh, so mm. I'm hoping I'll have a lot of time to read and maybe schedule uh, schedule my next book thing, which I got to think about mm. the next guests. Um, so nice. I have a couple ideas, uh, but um, we'll see. Uh, and then uh, just. Have more fun reading stuff, you know. That's uh, I might uh, check out a few of those movies Chris has been recommending. Oh, we'll see. God. <laughs> I, I, the, see. There's a classic example. Like I, I recommend the most random, like obscure kind of stuff that is for the niche of the niche of the niche of the niche. <laughs> but I have a couple of people that kind of go, "That's cool." Ah, uh, I do need to um, think of new stuff for uh, for the blog. Um, hmm. I kind of wrapped up my, uh, my, uh, critical analysis deep dive this week. And, um, uh, so I need to think of, uh, new topics. So, uh, that's a goal, I guess. Yeah. 
right yes. writing as a as a creative endeavor is tough as well. Man. Oh, it's it's hard as hell. Topics, yeah, I, yeah. It's so I, I, uh, I, yeah, that's why I didn't do it for a long time because it was mm-hmm. very for me. It was very taxing. Some people get a kick out of it. They, yeah. they, they actually it fuels them and makes them want to do more writing. The more they do, the more they want to do or something like that. But yeah, yeah. for me, it's very taxing, and uh, I'm I'm at my limit. Just writing a blog and writing the little short stories we're doing for the Writer's Battleground there on page doing. I'm at my limit. Like, that's that's it. That I can't do any more than that. Because uh, it's, I don't know, for me it's always been that kind of really intense taxing exercise. Um, that, uh, it, you know, and it's like, I, I enjoy it when I'm finished. <laughs> Because I have, it's like, oh, I'm done. And I'm glad I did it. But I, um, but it takes a lot out of me yeah. when I do do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, these people who can finish a novel, it, they're incredible. I, I can't, yeah. uh, I can't fathom finishing a novel. I think that would break me. <laughs> I, hmm. I see, like, whether it's Moonwriting or even when I'm, um, teaching and somebody submits something i'm fascinated over every word they use like and I, I actually there was one of the prompts one month that i thought right let's see if we could do the writer's battle for this and i must have sat for for two hours and got about 25 words because i could not stop i couldn't get in the idea of i'm just going to throw stuff down here without and then edit it later i just couldn't i just couldn't do it in a creative sense like it just wasn't it's just not a yeah. a part of the body or the part of the brain that I, that I have at all if somebody else gives me something i think i'd do a pretty good job of editing it for them i think i can go and make it pithy snappy whatever clean it up in a lot of ways but it, it's not coming out of me the other way it's not coming out of me creatively and mm. uh, without some sort of high concept or idea beforehand like just not yeah, I mean, it, I think part of my problem is I edit as I go. I'm not mm. one of those people who can just spit stuff out and then go back later and edit. I have to, everything's got to be right as I'm going. If it's not, it stalls me. <laughs> and well, that, I that, that agonize me, over yeah. it. I get 25, 25 words in because I'm like, I can't think of the right word here. And the right word's not coming to me. And I can't move on until I get the right word for this one, <laughs> one little bit that I'm going <laughs> Uh, and there is a right word. That's the worst part. When you convince yourself that there is a right word and it's just not coming to you. You're like, oh, God. What an idiot. <laughs> Elbow my brain. Yeah. My brain's my enemy. I mean, and that's it why the, the epic stuff that Janie Wirtz is doing and, oh. and Erickson, that's just, it just blows me away. I, I, I can't fathom planning that and then following through it just it, it boggles my mind it amazes me every time i think about it every time i look at the books on the shelf i'm just amazed it really yeah how'd your brain get there mm. and johnny said like it, it goes through so many iterations of change and all the rest that you wouldn't like to see the first one but also like what happens at the end i can't see that journey then <laughs> no matter what where you started and it it ends up here like I don't know if that's a master craftsperson or whatever way you want to put it. Yeah. But at the same stage, I don't, I don't see the steps. It's not there. But anyway. 
Uh, what about you, Chris? What goals do you have for December? Uh, for December, I am going to read a non-planned <laughs> read. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel I feel like I, I'm at that place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a non-planned read. I actually sat when I had the idea. I think I'm going to read again tomorrow. I've read tonight. I'm going to read again tomorrow. I'm like, my biggest problem is now is the uh, choice process. You get too many books and you want to read, but I'll just pick one and go for it. I'll probably yeah, have a short list of two, and I think I'll get that done probably next week. That'll be my plan to finish a book in a week. Mm, that's what you know, that, that was the first review I ever did in my channel, was a book I just randomly picked up at the library. Yeah. It was uh, Alan Moore's Illuminations. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you guys haven't read that, it's, it's a fascinating read. And I know you're Alan Moore fans, because I know you're Swamp Thing fans, but and Watchmen and what have you. But uh, that was a, a book of short stories, Illuminations, and um, it was uh, really, really outstanding. Do you have the Swamp Thing books yet, Chris? I bought the first volume uh, on Kindle. Because they weren't available, actually. I don't think uh, they were available physically when I went to look for them. So I had had that. But Alan Moore is such a brilliant mind. Again, another person I look at the stories and go, like, how? How does your brain generate that out of it? Like, it's just, again, so so out of my sphere of reference. Like, how somebody can be that brilliant. But, you know. Even just the, uh, I used to read the... um... League of Extraordinary Gentlemen comics yeah. as they came out and he would have these short stories in the back. <laughs> Those things were the weirdest, wackiest stuff I've ever read. And he was uh man, he has a he has a strange mind, Alan Moore. He he comes up with some really strange stuff. And uh it was fascinating though. Yeah. yeah. And I'm also I, uh, I oh, did sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, because I'm going to move on to something else. You, you go, go for that. Oh, no, I was going to say, I uh, I did reach out to Alan Moore's agent, and he uh, pol- politely declined. So, ah, but you got a response. Cool about. Which was, yeah, yeah, I got a response, which is, I'm good. So. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I was going to say, I'm about to embark. I think I finally got the, uh, the motivation. I'm going to lose three stone in four months. Nice. I did two stone in three months before. I'm gonna lose three. I'm gonna lose three stone in four months. You um, bro, my jeez. I did. I did two stone in three months about three years ago. Uh, so I know exactly how to do it, and it is. It is that switch in your brain. I just need to switch on and say, "This is what I'm doing," and then my, my brain's at that stage. Well, do it for me as well. Yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> It is. It is not that. It is actually not that difficult. But it is about getting your brain in the stage where you want to do it because it is a sacrifice thing. Of just saying this is this is just what you do, and there's no deviation from this plan. It's kind of what we were talking about about earlier on, Steve, in mm-hmm. terms of as soon as you slide off that plan, it all goes to shit. But yeah. I know how to do it. I think calling it a diet or calling it something like giving it, and you just say this is what I do and this is what I don't do. And just that's what it is. Yeah, it's a complete that's lifestyle change like, for me. It is yeah, like some yeah, people call lifestyle. it calorie crunching, but for me, it's not really calorie crunching. It's about a hand in hand of having a regular pattern of behavior, which is going out every day and trying to do whether walk or run. It actually doesn't matter. Five k of some sort. Mm-hmm. 
you know what would be really different to me about walking a run is that it will take 25 minutes compared to 45 minutes compared to that it's a, it's a time thing at that stage and then it's about cutting sugar out of my diet that's pretty much it yeah huge difference cutting sugar out yeah because i i did it doing cutting calories but my dad was essentially all sugar at that stage and it was nothing was happening i was like mm-hmm. what what's doing and as soon as I went to, right, eat differently, but cut the sugar out, bang. Like, instantly, your body just goes, okay, this is what this is what you're at, okay, we're doing. And the, actually, the biggest problem I, I find, uh, I don't know if you found this, Steve, going back, people's reactions to me losing a lot of weight, they were deeply uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. in a quick period of time. Uh, I, I had one good friend of mine, Sean, come up to me at work and go, just, I'm going to ask you one question. Are you okay? You're losing weight because you decided to? I went, yeah. He says, okay, good man. That's it. Not, no, nothing, nothing insidious or otherwise. That's good. Good. No, you, you keep on keep on doing that. Uh, just, to, just at a stage where just, I'm, I'm at that heavier than I would like to be stage. And never been an athlete or anything, but, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing where I need to buy more clothes. And I think that's really what it comes down to. Is it yeah. just, I don't want to buy more clothes. I don't like clothes shopping. Book shopping <laughs> <laughs> sucks. <laughs> That's when people say to me, "What will I get you for Christmas?" I was like, "I think underwear and socks are things I never ever want to buy them for myself." If you buy me underwear and underwear or socks, I'd be the happiest person you'd ever meet. Honestly, yeah. save me. <laughs> well, next month, if you can make it, let us know. Uh, give us your updates. Yeah, we'll do. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm planning to start actually when I get off work, which is about the nineteenth, and I'll start oh, okay. then. I'll start. That's my plan. It was uh, when I did start a few years ago. I was like, oh, I'm gonna do it for my New Year's resolution, and uh, I remember it was the 29th of December, and I went, No, I'm in the headspace now. I'm going at the house, and I literally started on the 29th of December, and I three months went mad. I spent two weeks making an ass of it and not doing it right, while I figured it out, and then. Then I, I work out to it, and I'll do the same thing. I'll just do the same thing, and I'll not. I'll not. The things that caused me to slip off it before, once I got to that weight, I know what to avoid. It's a bit like what you were saying there. I'm doing so well. Mm-hmm. I could have a donut. Yeah. I could have a. It's a trap. Packet of crisps. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. It's it just it just gets worse and worse and worse. It does. Yeah. So that, that, those, are, no. those are my plans for, for, for the next month or so, or monthish. Nice. Come to think of it, we have to wrap up the year next month when we do the monthly. Oh, jeez. That'll be a long one. You're in page June. Okay. Wow. You can sure yeah. you can share how much money you've made in the entire podcast, Steve. I mean, on what you spent your riches on, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's like just like four dollars or something. It's like I mean, Jesus, I that is a hell of an amount of money. That like, if see if you were to put the graph of percentage of people who made money from doing podcasting in the history of podcasting, like you're in the top not point not 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 five percent, even with four dollars. So yeah, you can look at it that way. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm like I'm basically like a, a entrepreneur in the podcast space. You're gonna be invited on, on like a TED talk. <laughs> I'll be happy to go. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll learn absolutely nothing from me, but it'll be fun. You ran away from such movies as. 
He's like, what's your secret? I just hit record and hope it goes okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Isn't that life, though? Like, you just hope for the best. Yeah. Oh, dear. I'm going to do this thing. I yeah. think it'll be okay. But if it's not, oh, well. That's, yeah. That's what, I like, did. what I did on Thursday. We'll see what happens. Oh, man. Well, awesome. Yeah. So, also, I hope to... Um, in November, I had 100 miles in one day, so I hope to do that again in December. That's another. Uh, so you're gonna try goal, and do that right. once a month, then? Is that, that, that once a month is my goal? Yeah. I think that's good. Yeah. Tell me this, Steve. See, in those 100 mile bike rides, because I have a, have a brother-in-law that does something similar. How's your next day, or even the end of that day? W- wasn't too bad the next day. I think the most thing was my shoulders from the you know bending. Yep. Posture. Yeah. That was the worst part of it. Yeah, <laughs> just the having to sit in a certain position for too long. Yeah. I think it was like eight hours. I think we rode for, and then we took breaks and ate and hung out. So it, we we're, we're sure to break it up. Okay, cool. So it wasn't too that. That'll be, that'll be good. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. It was fun though. Yeah. And then we'll have to do our, our goals for 2024 next month. That'll be the scary. Yeah. We'll have to plan that out. We'll have to, that'd be a long one. <clears throat> Jeez, I have trouble thinking that far ahead. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised there isn't a forum thread that's 2025 reading plans. The way some people yeah. read, plan their reads. <laughs> yeah, I've seen those kind of like uh, some people like really just like have a whole. Like I, I sort of have internally what I, what I plan to do for the first six months of 2024, if all things being well. Like I definitely have have that, but I know some people yeah. do have the. That's a 2025 thing. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm going to, I'm going to continue on in the series that I'm reading, yeah. but other than that, um, it's all up in the air. Well, yours is, yours is quite clear because you have general goals of like one self pub a month and stuff. Jared, yeah. Just, right. Know, oh, yeah. That's pretty set. Yeah. 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 But it can be any self pub. So it's, yeah. you know. it gives you some flexibility, yeah. but just kind of like yeah. a guideline to go yeah. by, which is, which is cool. I appreciate that for sure. So cool! Thanks for coming by, guys, both of you and uh, Jared. Thanks for making time. I know you had a busy evening. Popping in and out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's probably about time to eat again. You know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm hungry again after listening to the sirloin. Filet mignon. Filet mignon. Wow. Creme de la creme. <laughs> so uh chris where can people find you people could find me on my youtube channel if they want to hear me talk about movies possibly at the moment i am thinking about splitting the channel off i i don't know hmm. um i, I sort of swore i wouldn't do it but but for the moment it's all on the one channel um Whoa. I mean, just, just a name. that's a goal we didn't hear about well, it's not, that's mm. not so much a goal. That's kind of just something I'm weighing up. Just kind of maybe have to take some of the pressure off in terms of what content you make, even though I sort of don't care. At a certain point, you're like, oh, should I just do it? Just for an easy life. Hmm. Let's see. Interesting. Work. Hmm. And uh, Jared, where can, people, where can people find you and troll you? <laughs> You can troll me at the Fantasy Thinker YouTube channel. Um, 
I can't promise I'll respond to trolling, but uh, <laughs> but um, you can find all my content there, and uh, you can also read my blog on uh, pagechewing.com, The Creative Crossroads. And uh, you can find us on pagechewing.com on the forums. If you're not there, register for an account, and I will. might take me a little bit because uh, I have to approve all the new users, but come by and talk to us and join us for one of these fun discussions. So I hope everyone's having a great December and uh, we will see everyone next month for this uh, for the wrap up of December and then 2024 goals. That'll be a fun one. <laughs> That'll be a long one. But, but yeah, it'll be fun. So I'll talk to everyone then. Thanks everybody. <laughs>